And ladies and gentlemen of the jury, the prosecution is not going to get that man today. No. Because I'm going to get him. My goodness, it is Monday, March 5th, 2018. You know, I, I often say, I said this morning, I said yeah, last week, look, folks, we are in the battle of our lives right now. We are in the battle, an epic battle. Uh, the truth is being censored at every turn. Uh, we Look, we, we've got one objective only. Well, one blanket objective, and that is to investigate and, and, and provide the truth of events to you. We are working on the investigation part with respect to getting people assets, um, in investigative assets. You might call them investigative journalists, the same people who would investigate uh, situations and, and, and then report those facts to you. But there is something going on now. We're seeing something take place that we, we've been warning about. Steve Quayle has been warning about. Everybody's been warning you about, with everyone with a platform and a mouth. And that is the censorship issue. Um, and this is just yeah, the beginning. Yeah, we're just scratching yeah, the surface. Exactly. <clears throat> Many people think that these channels being banned on YouTube, the content being banned, the shadow banning on Twitter, the Facebook suspensions, and times out, and times out are just uh, you know this oppressive censorship campaign. But in reality, we have not seen anything yet I because that. pretty soon it's not just going to be the social media giants that are censoring you. Pretty soon, what we went through with GoDaddy in 2012 is going to be happening to people all over. Internet service providers are going to say, you know what? We don't want to host this website. Too many controversial topics. And, and listen, listen to him. That's coming. It's That's going coming. to get to a point where there's not going to be any availability of right-wing outlets, conservative Christian outlets, on the Internet. They're going to ban it not only at the level where uh, Google indexing or shadow banning, they are going to completely remove websites from the internet and those people's ability to transport that information this and you you point this out well this is great this is an incremental uh assault now it has been an incremental assault for the past i'm going to say three years but five years and really but the past three years and and specifically and and then over the last couple of weeks it's been going hot shall we say And, and you've seen uh and I'm just going to name a few. Thank you, John Robertson, the, the producer. The Richie Allen Show, Health Ranger, Infowars, Richie from Boston, Dr. Jerome Corsi, the Doctor of Common Sense, David Seaman, uh, Victorus Libertas, Jake Morphonius, Ron Johnson, Coach Dave, being censored at Facebook. The following people, uh, also banned at Medium, uh, for example, Laura Loomer, Jack Posobiec, Mike Cernovich, let me tell you, this is only the start. And as Joe said, because now the the, the, the playing field is going, to, is going to become wider. And it will be. There will be no voices. If you are a Christian, Christian conservative, and especially a Christian conservative, if you're a constitutionalist, you're, you're, the, the, look, you've got a target on your back. And they so. use Trump. <clears throat> they use Trump as an excuse, but in reality... 
what they're really going after is what you just said, the conservatives, the Christians, <laughs> the, the Christians, founders, yeah. the people who believe in the Constitution and will uphold the Constitution. And, and, and Trump I, is just yes. the excuse. And I spoke of uh, spoke of a sixteen year plan on my on my show this morning, and and I, I look, I, I believe that there is a sixteen year plan. By the way, I want to thank you so much, Captain Kirk, out there. Thank you, Captain Kirk, for everything you're doing. And speaking of uh, thank yous, I want to thank uh, both Steve Quayle and Coach Dave Dobmar, who are our first hour guests today, kicking this off. We've got them both. Steve Quayle from SteveQuayle.com, Coach Dave Dobmar, Coach Dave Live. We're going to be joining Coach Dave in. Um, Canton, Ohio, next month at the Occupy 2018, his conference, and then, of course, Steve Quayle, Branson, Missouri, in September. Oh, sign up both. Look, register early for both. But having said that, the one I welcome both gentlemen to the program. Going to kick it off with Coach Dave from Coach Dave Live first. Coach, how are you, sir? Hey, good good morning. Uh, good morning. Good evening, Doug. <laughs> some that's true. Seems like morning, man. I, I, had, I had one of those nights last night, you know. I don't know. I'm sure you have them every once in a while. And Man, oh man, the Lord, I was up, the Lord was dealing with me. Uh, we're at war, brothers. We are really, really at war. And I'm honored to be on here with you tonight and spoke to, spoke to Steve on Friday and spoke to him again this morning about just exactly what's going on and the fact that we've got to stop just sitting back and, and, uh, playing defense. You know, uh, the old football coach and any, any sports fans out there will, will be able to relate to. If you have a good defense, if you have a perfect defense, when the game's over, the best chance that you have is you're going to tie. You'll, you'll zero to zero. That's all you can hope for. And for too long, at least as long as I've been in this, 2000 and, well, I guess 2003 is when we really got after it hard. And I got personally sued by the American Civil Liberties Union in 1997 for having prayer with our football team and walked away from teaching and coaching and started past assault ministries to try to warn people of this anti-God, anti-Christ wave that was breaking over America. Doug, that's 1997, buddy. That, that's a few years ago. And I've been trying to warn people. And throughout my my whole uh, last 20-some years ministry of, uh, that we've been trying to do, I've been trying to get our team to play a little bit of offense. I said, uh, you know, a lot of the, there's an old adage in, in football. You see a lot of good offensive teams win high-scoring games because they don't play very good defense. And that was kind of my philosophy when I coached. I wanted to get the football and just first one to a hundred wins. That's, that's the way I was. You know, if they scored, okay, it doesn't matter. We'll score, but we can't have that attitude that we're just going to sit back and allow the enemy to continue to attack us and let, and we don't put any pressure on them at all. And so that, that's You're one exactly of the right, things that, that, that we have got to do. I, I've been saying for back when I got sued by the ACLU in, in 1997, I began to ask about them. Well, how come none of, how come none of our guys sue? What what is going on? Why are we why do we just always wait for the ACLU to sue us and then we play defense, or we wait for this organization to make us bake a cake and then 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 they we somebody tries to help us, we get somebody to try to uh, you know try to defend us, but we never ever from a legal standpoint try to take back turf. And I'm watching what's going on with uh, you know. Hey, listen, I'm a I'm a tadpole flopping around in a. Mud puddle thinking I'm a whale. I'm nothing compared to the Hagman report and Dave Hodges and, and Alex Jones. I'm nothing. But I'm telling you, I'm flopping as hard as I can in my little, my little mud puddle telling you guys, we better wake up and we better get on the offensive. And the thing that is most Im- 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 imperative to me is guys, if you go away, if the Hagman 
and Hagman go away. Wow, that will be an unbelievable blow that they will have dealt to 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 our team. So uh, I, I understand. Listen, I'm being banned on Facebook. Now, this may sound stupid, but I want people to get what's going on here. I got a uh, in the last three in the last two weeks, I've been banned three times off of Facebook. First one was a three day slap me on the wrist. I finally got out of jail, and the day I got out of jail, boom, they slapped me on the wrist for another post, seven more days, and I no sooner got out of jail than a day later, boom, they slapped me on the wrist for a 30-day suspension from not even being able to post on Facebook. And you know what I found out? The the, the violations that they are, are uh, using against me, one of them was a posting I put up six years ago. Six which years. Which tells me six years ago. So it tells me that they've got, you know, we found out now that YouTube in particular has hired guys from the Southern Poverty Law Center, and I got a feeling that somebody is sitting on top of my Facebook page, waiting for, going through everything that's on that Facebook page, trying to find anything they can so they can slap me, throw me in jail for 30 days. Next time it's going to be 60 days, and they're trying to silence us by doing this. No, listen, I'm a tadpole, okay? I get it. But I understand the fight. And I know that this is just the beginning of what uh, what I believe is a coordinated attempt, Doug, to silence the mouth of God. It's not conservatives. It's not left-wing. It's not right-wing. It's the seed of the serpent against the seed of the woman. And if they can shut the mouth of Coach Dave, they can shut the mouth of uh, Dave Hodges, they can shut the mouth of Doug and Joe Hagman, and I could go on and on. If they are able to do that, they are theoretically shutting the mouth of God. Jesus is the truth. I am the way, the truth, and the life. And our greatest defense against everything that's going on is truth. And one thing that they don't want to see, they don't want to see the truth. So uh, we're working on some different things, and uh, it's an honor to be on with you tonight. And uh, let you kick it over to Steve. The, the honor is all ours, Coach. And, and real quick, Coach, I think the Baltimore Ravens won a Super Bowl. Solely on their defense one year. Uh, yeah, oh, they, <laughs> I'm just messing with you. Yeah, they scored some points yeah. though. <laughs> yeah, yeah. At some point, yeah. man. I, I, yeah, I was going to say, you know, and, and he's just somebody, but, but yeah, you, we got to stop playing defense, don't we? And, and that's we do because well, you got to you got to keep you got to keep playing defense, but you got to mix some offense in the middle of it, well, right? Right. I mean, yeah, you're right. Um, it's to, to me, you know, coach. Uh, um, when we play defense, we're we're not um, as effective. We, of course, we're, our mind is not on uh, scoring the goal. It's, it's not on uh, the you know, downfield. It's 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 holding uh, position, isn't it? Because I'm not in sports. Yes, yeah. Doug. You sit there and say, just wait for him to sue you, right? But wait till they sue me, and then I'll get somebody to try to defend me. Well, how stupid is that? Exactly. I asked somebody that I was on the phone with an attorney the other day, and I asked him this very simple question, and he went because he didn't know what to say at the end of it. I said, can you explain to me how Planned Parenthood? can get $500 million a year of federal tax dollars, and I'm not allowed to step on their property. Can you explain that one to me? How about somebody goes and sues Planned Parenthood for not permitting me to be on their property? And you mean to tell me i got a friend of mine, Jason Storms, he's a substitute teacher in the Milwaukee City Schools, and he posted on his Facebook the fact that as he went in there as a substitute and he was, shared his testimony with kids and, and all kinds of stuff. Well, the Freedom From Religion Foundation or some somebody... What you know what they did, boy? They ran to the superintendent and said, "Oh no, you can't let this guy in here. He's he's uh, preaching, not allowed to do that." Well, how come? 
How come we don't have attorneys camped out right now at, in uh, Milwaukee City Schools getting ready to file a lawsuit for preventing J- Jason from having his freedom of speech? See, we, we don't have this mentality that we have got to go on the offense. Now, uh, I always, as I said kind of in the opening, most good teams that I played against who were good on offense weren't very good on defense. It's just the mentality. Isn't it's like when you watch, it's like when you watch a basketball game. A lot, a lot of teams are offensive minded and they, they want to win 150 to 140. Other teams play and they want to win 98 to 92. You win either way, but guys who have offensive minds, they don't worry so much about defense because they say, we're just going to outscore you. Doug, we just sit back, wait for them to attack us, and then we try to defend ourselves. And all you have to do is look at the culture and society and realize that they have backed us up against the wall. You, and you, I said, yeah. I, I said, I, I said this on my own show this morning. There, there is a confluence happening that I don't think we have ever seen. Folks, listen now. It's not just the attack on the First Amendment, but there's an attack on the Second. And they're coming at the exact same time. Now, I hearken back, Doug, to the original thing out of Bundy Ranch. You remember that when they had the standoff with the, with the ATF. I had a friend who was on the fence there. He was one of the guys he was on the fence. And I'll never forget what he told me. He said the only thing that saved his coach was a combination of the First Amendment with the Second Amendment. And if we had not been there with our weapons, the Second Amendment, then our First Amendment would have been no good at all. Because the ATF was there, whoever it was, I think it was the ATF. They were there with all their weapons, and fortunately... The good guys, our guys showed up with their weapons and because they were able, everybody had one of these crazy things right here, one of these cell phones. Oh, yeah. yep. And everybody immediately began to shoot that video up onto the, into the ether zone. The ether zone went out the world and everybody saw what was going on. And you know what happened? The feds were not able to control the narrative. And because they couldn't control the narrative, the, the, the second amendment was uh, protected the first amendment. Well, we're not uh, to the point where we're, we're using guns and all that kind of stuff, buddy, but those two things are under attack for, for a good reason. And, and thank you for that, Coach. Uh, I just want to mention to people, you know, uh, we need to support, we, everyone needs to support the people that you believe in. We believe so, so heavily in Coach Dave Dobmar. Look, you know, Hurricane, he's out there. Uh, abortion, these murder mills, he's out there. And he's got, he's boots on the ground, real guy. I just want to say that. I'm getting a weird look at my uh, from my Eric attack. People, many people forget he was on the front lines no, of the Terry sorry. Shivo. Well, listen, but listen, like, I'm, I'm, I'm working on a plan, Doug and Joe. I don't know if Steve's in here yet. But I don't want to take up some of Steve's time, and I don't want to overstep no, the what I, I, I want to be overstepping. Hey, Brothers, yeah. we're working Go on ahead. a plan again. Now, I'm not going to talk a whole lot about it tonight, but uh, we have uh, we've opened some doors with some some of what we think are the greatest attorneys in America. And I'm not at liberty to say who they are. Right. And we're building a network, a powerful network of attorneys who are going to start playing some offense for it. That's one of the things that we are going to have to try to do. Now, I'm going to come back at another time here, Doug, and we're going to, we're going to lay out the plan of how we are going to all of a sudden take this, this, this team of ours, this defensive minded team, and try to get us to propel ourselves into a little bit of offense. 
And we're going to raise, I, I just believe under the election of the Lord, when people see what's going on, we're going to raise funds and we're going to, see, Doug, when, when the Jason, when the, the Milwaukee school district, when Jason Storms goes in there and he's sharing his test, substitute teacher and he's sharing his testimony with those students, you know right away what the superintendent and the principal are worried about? Who's going to sue us? Are we going to hear from the ACLU? What's going to happen? And they're cowering in their corner. And the only way we're going to be effective is if that superintendent's saying, oh, my goodness, are those Christians going to sue us? What? Are they going to bring a lawsuit? Well, hey, remember when David defeated Goliath? Don't miss it. David rushed up after he hit him with a stone. David ran up, went up, and he pulled out Goliath's own sword, and he chopped off Goliath said, David used Goliath's own weapon to decapitate him. Now, a very simple question to ask is, how is, how's the left killing us, man? They're killing us with the legal system. They're killing us with lawsuits. You, you, listen, Doug, you, you know this better than anybody. All they have to do is sue you and you gotta defend yourself. They just tie you up in court. Forever. And of course there isn't uh, forever, forever, and that takes money and it drains resources. And we're not organized on our side at all. Uh, God bless uh, uh, Jay Sekulow. When I went through my battle in back in 1997, I spoke with Jay. They didn't they didn't take my case because they don't play offense. I spoke with, spoke with some of the other uh, Christian, uh, whatever we call them, Christian law firms, and thank God for them that they do run. To the, to the battle when the battle's there. But brother, they're never picking any fight. They're never picking any fight. And yeah. we've got to start picking some fights with that other team to expend some of their resources in de- defending themselves and to put the fear that we're not going to sit back and we're not going to take it. Coach Dave Dobmar, well said, and uh, we have Steve Quayle with us. I just want to tell people, listening to Coach, watching Coach, he is like a, um, to, to use a sports metaphor, he's like a, a guy with a ball on the football field that's, that's running like he's angry at the grass. That's the, the spirit behind Coach Dave. Uh, and, you know, and man, you gotta be that way. Uh, speaking of offense, uh, let's go to Steve Quayle, stevequayle.com. Steve, my brother. Well, good evening, uh, Doug. And, and let me fill in some blanks that Dave alluded to. There is a non-profit uh, corporation set up with some of the finest legal minds in the country with track records in appellate courts, track records in getting uh, cases that were given over uh, that forever. They, they'd never have the reversal of the uh, courts to the favor of the persecuted, which they have. And so uh, there's already a non-profit corporation with some of the finest lawyers in the country with proven So one of the things I want tonight is if you're an attorney who has listened to me and uh, will stand in the gap, there are simultaneous legal actions having to take place. Now, ladies and gentlemen, Doug and I have been under a multi-year frivolous pro se litigation that's cost literally close to six figures. And even as as late as the last filings uh, that we were required to file, the person who is a plaintiff has thrown everything from Russiagate, fake media, and even, well, uh, you know, and, and false affidavits filed against us. So let me just say this. They've had their 30 months 
in the wind. Very soon, they're going to reap the whirlwind. That's not a threat. Amen. But what? But but again, uh, what is happening is when when we have to fight, and this is this is a problem we all have. When you think you're fighting the enemy, you end up fighting the false brethren. Now listen, there's either, and I say this, there's either producers for the kingdom of God or there's parasites. Ladies and gentlemen, tonight, both Coach Dave and I want to let you know that that for whatever reason, and, and known only to God himself, uh, Doug has provided a platform for Pastor David Langford and I and so many others, uh, for Tom Horn, for those, even Dr. Jerome Corsi, for those who have been on the front lines, and even tonight, uh, the E! News, Energy News, has been shut down by A- ICANN, and they're the ones that are reporting on the Fukushima manufactured extinction level event and they've been shut down well here's the deal we either go on the offense and take back the land and basically take uh, uh, fear not for the Lord our God is with us and and I'm sorry but the problem is is that we need to quit being weenies okay and uh, look uh, again I'm asking tonight that you pray as you've never prayed and, and those of you who are financially capable, I'm asking you to stand with the Hagmans. Uh, I'm not at liberty to, to, you know, discuss financial things, and this whole nonsense, nonsensical uh, uh, legal proceedings that have been filed against Doug and I are literally into the six figures, and I'm sure there's plenty of people laughing, but false affidavits, lies, accusations of money laundering, accusations that I took uh, advantage of a bipolar woman who by the way, uh, we were uh, uh, given massive amounts of information that the woman claiming to be bipolar admitted to being demonized, admitted that uh, her kids wanted to have her committed, yet all that stuff doesn't, doesn't even matter, and, and uh, it, when I say at this point it doesn't matter, it will matter very soon. And so, well, Doug and I have basically uh, held our peace. There's a time coming where I believe what you're going to see, it's not just fighting for us. It's fighting, the attack is on Hagman's finances, his, his, his entire platform. Joe and, and John and everybody, Eric, everybody that Doug basically has to, you know, uh, support because they need to support him. And i got to be honest with you, nothing makes me crazier and I'm sorry, some people say, well, you don't have love, Brother Quayle. Oh, yes, I do. I love the Lord, the, my God, with all my heart, with all my strength. I am, I am in, as I say this, I am incensed at the cowards that I get in my email every day. And by the way, Doug has talked me out of quitting. There have been times, and this is not a threat. This is just, uh, call it my carnality. I've talked to some very wealthy people. Ask them to get behind us. And, uh, you know, they say, well, we've already been, uh, you know, uh, told where to give our ties and stuff. Well, look, I'm calling on everybody that is supporting Doug or, you know, advertising on the show to step up to the pump. At this point, uh, all the safe queens, the safe queen is the firearms that gun collectors and shooters put in their safe because they want them to go up in price because they're rare. Well, here's the deal. The anti-Second Amendment is now in full swing. And uh, I, for one, am furious at Donald Trump's flip-flopping. And I, for one, am furious at the statement he made concerning uh, the premier of China uh, wanting to be basically emperor for life, and he's supporting it. 
I'm furious that his uh, uh, condescending, not condescending, his uh, getting into the Democrats and his off-the-cuff comments on the NRA, it infuriates me. And I want to remind everybody that I said this, I still believe that for whatever reason, God's ways are not my ways, but the idea simply is this, that God raises up the basis of men. I believe he is a prosecuting attorney, Donald Trump. I believe the country is polarized, and I believe that as you're watching, whether it's Korea, whether it's Turkey and Greece, which, by the way, are in a de facto war right now, if you're watching uh, the Golan Heights, if you're watching Syria, Russia, Iran, uh, what's going on in Afghanistan, what's going on in Venezuela, what's going on all over the world, we are in the most dangerous time in history, and I want you to know, I want you to think about this, everyone, and someone, and I want Doug people to honestly understand this. How many times have you and I, Doug, talked, and if it hadn't been for you encouraging me or me encouraging you, we would have just said, you know what, forget it. Maybe that's a safer way to say it. So what infuriates me, and I want to share this, I said, Lord, I'll go out and I'll fight, and I, I quote the scripture to myself, the righteous are as bold as lions, uh, uh, that, you know, uh, quoting the scripture, uh, God looked for a man to stand in the gap, and I thank those of you who pray for us, but those of you who have the financial wherewithal, you don't understand something. They get who you are, and I want to give a, a definition. This When I was on, uh, oh, good night, Dave Hodge's show, and if you haven't heard Dave Hodge's show last night with Tom Horn and I for two hours, you've got to hear it. It's really good. But during that time, Doug, I received an email by a former a signal intelligence guy, Q Clearance, and if you guys know your secrecy and also, uh, you know, in the realm of magic, and magic is not pulling rabbits out of a hat. It's, you know, it's, it's basically access to everything from aliens to you name it, stargates. But SMART, and I didn't know this until last night, is the Intel word, and it's an acronym for Surveillance Masked as Routine Technology. We got smartphones. We got, basically, we got smart TV now. Anybody that puts one of those echoes or those whatever they're called, those, uh, Joe, what are those things called where you put in your home and ask them questions? Uh, um, I don't even know the term for it because they make me so crazy. But they're a little Alexa. box and M. I'm sorry? Alexa? Yeah, Alexa, what? any of those things. You're, you're being <laughs> spied, spied on continually. And so, ladies and gentlemen, what I want to share with you is this. I want you to ask yourself this question. And I'm, and this isn't a threat. It's not intimidation. I'm only asking those of you who have been blessed by anything I've said on this show or anything Pastor Langford or any of us have said, I'm asking you to step up and give. We're in the battle. Look, I don't believe that we have to worry about uh, years right now. I've, I, I, I have fought this thing for so long. And as I've fought this thing for so long, I can tell you this. Doug and I are banned from two quote conservative uh, three actually uh, what do they call bulletin boards you know uh, yeah, time bomb uh, and uh, oh what is it free, free of liberty and free republic and all these yeah. things yeah. and those people have defamed us by their denial and by their you know aggregating and segregating uh, all their comments in quote their secret part where they talk well you know that's good for them but when they claim to be brethren I don't know if the freepers do, but I know this, that uh, we're in big trouble because a house divided against itself can't stand. 
And so, ladies and gentlemen, Coach Dave and I are both asking you tonight to stand with Doug financially, to stand with Joe financially. The Hagman and Hagman report must stand. Look, we're doing stuff in the background to try and make sure the people that have been blessed are able, able to basically continue to get information up until the last moment. But I promise you, you will go through withdrawal. I will go through withdrawal because look at how fast we need the information. The minute I post a story on my website, it's past, I mean, people will say, what's new, what's new? I know from my stats, and by the way, you might like to know when when uh, Tom Hoare and I are on together, what's on Hagman and Hagman or Dave Hodges, you might like to know how many computers from the intelligence, this isn't bragging, intelligence agencies around the world are on us, and I would encourage everybody to read my alert that's posted uh, uh, the on the uh, stevequirrell.com. Just hit the alert and read it because it's very important, but it's coming from an insider who they've tried to murder and his wife they've tried to murder, and because we prayed for him, he's still alive. So, ladies and gentlemen, please hear, hear, hear me tonight. Look, I've been on talk radio a lot. Some of you are, are, are sick of it, I know, I, I am, but the deal is, is we're on the cutting edge, and I, for one, want to be a producer for the kingdom of God, and there are a lot of people claiming to be your brethren, and of course the ones that really get me are the anonymous ones, or they have cute names, and some of them will own up to their names, but if you tell them, you ask them a simple question, how many people, you'll love this one, Dave, how many people have you won to the Lord Jesus? They quote the scripture to me, many will come to me in that name saying, Lord, Lord, didn't we cast out, Jesus said, I never knew you. I got news for you, mm-hmm. it doesn't work on me, because that doesn't apply to me, because Jesus said, if I confess him before men, he'll confess me before our Father which is in heaven, his Father which is in heaven. And he said, fear not him who can kill the body, but rather fear him who can kill you and cast you into hell. Paraphrase. So here's where we're at tonight. And I think it's about Doug will not tell you what I'm telling you tonight. Because, you know, he wants to keep everything close to his vest. And, and Doug, I'm not trying to betray you in any way, but people need to know. I know the price is taken on his health. I know the price is taken. And listen, slander has many lovers. Only, though, until the slanderers expose and the lovers start to have to pay the price. All you slanders, you know who you are. Those of you who are, who are gathered against to think you're going to feast on our bones, you're going to be the prey for the birds of the field. And already the enemy is absolutely given free reign and control over your lives. You think uh, 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 bipolar is an issue? Wait until you see uh, the spherical attacks that come on you. That's not a curse. It's just an understanding of what happens when people, you know, bear false witness, when people lie, when people mock Jesus, and when people mock those of us who are trying to win people to the Lord and do win people to the Lord and we have a hundred nations listening to this show you know either through original broadcast so I'm asking please stand with the Hagman's financially and I don't know Doug how many listeners you got on all the different platforms but ladies and gentlemen you can't blame anybody but yourselves if you are in a position to make a difference and don't come on really what is worth it is a donation and I'm for everybody joining G gun owners of America, they're basically the Second Amendment people with teeth, okay? Right, and right. Go, and, go, and, and I just
just think the world of uh, uh, Larry Pratt, you know. I think the NRA is, is, and I belong to it, is too political. But here's the deal. We're fighting a battle, and I think, Dave, and I'm going to turn it over to you. Dave, you basically said that most people that should be involved in spiritual warfare are living in a world of spiritual welfare. So I want you to mm -hmm. take it from here and deal with that, Dave, if you would. I sure will, Steve. And uh, uh, listen, I, I'm a, I'm a, I may not be uh, Woody Hayes. I may not be John Cooper. I may be some guy out in the cornfield, but I've I've played enough ball and I've coached enough ball to understand that failure to plan is planning to fail. That a man who has a plan is way ahead of the guy who does. And unfortunately, yakking is not a plan. Okay? It isn't. Just like prayer alone doesn't get the job done. It takes prayer and action, the two working together. Jesus prayed in the Garden of Gethsemane, and then he got up and he went to the cross. It requires both. And so I have a twofold plan that I think is important we understand. I was just calculating this, Doug and uh, Joe. Steve, as you were talking there, I try to listen to the Hagman Report every night. I never turn the TV on. My mind has cleared up so much since I turned off that Fox News and and uh, just all that stuff. My mind is clear. I, I can think better. And you ask, ask my wife. She, uh, every night, laying there as I'm getting ready to go to bed, got Hagman's on, and she's doing whatever. And I got, I got calculating today. I don't, you know, it didn't cost me anything. It doesn't cost me anything. I don't have to pay a cable. I, to listen to the Hagmans doesn't cost me a thing. And then I got thinking, you know what? I listen to these guys three hours a night. Now, I'm not talking about the Daily Show and the Joe's, Joe and John show. I listen to the Hagman Report three hours a night. And when that show is over, I don't, I don't agree with every one of your guests, but when that show is over, I think, man, oh, man, was that something. And you know, I don't even give a dollar a day for that entertainment. A dollar a day. If I gave a dollar a day for every time, if I had to put a, like a, I was going to go park my car downtown, I had to put a quarter in the thing, a dollar in the parking meter. If I put a dollar in the parking meter, every time I turned on the Hagman report, that would be 33 cents an hour. 33 and a third, I, I get math. That's nothing. And see, for us, somebody told me one time, say, Coach, a broad appeal is no appeal. When you ask everybody, nobody does. Now, if I were to pick up the phone and call you specifically and say, hey, would you give a dollar a night to watch the show? Well, sure. Thanks for calling, Coach. I'd be glad to. Well, we are telling you here right now that this whole problem would go away if you, you, not the, not the guy sitting next to you would give a dollar a show. That would be $20 a month. Look, I understand Patreon. I understand all the things that all of us try to do to raise funds to stay on the air. This takes money to do. And I understand Patreon is to try to get people to donate. Folks, the scripture tells us, I don't have it in front of me, but it says that no soldier goes to warfare at his own expense. Why are we, why are you, any of us engaged in spiritual welfare, but well, we're asking Doug and Joe 
to foot the bill so all of us can sit home in the safety and security of our home, be educated, get fat and sassy, and sit on our butts and do nothing. These guys are the ones who are pre, are, who are giving us the platform upon which this truth can come. Now, let, stay with me a second. We can't lose Hagman and Hagman. Now, now look, look we're not going to lose them, right? But Doug's getting hammered for money for law, for, uh, a lawsuit, money, money gone in, money gone out. We need to, we need to make a decision right now. Are we going to secure? We could do it tonight. Tonight, we could secure Doug and Joe Hagman being on the air for the next six months. We could raise enough money tonight if everybody simply gave $20. Now there's some of you out there got so much money falling out of your pocket, you don't know what to do with it. You could give a lot more than that. I had the same conversation on my show this morning and, and one of the guys that out of his heart, good guy said, you know, man, my finances are so tight. I said, well, dad, go ahead. Give a dollar. Send them a dollar, will ya? Give them two bucks. Give them something so that you have some skin in the game, some investment. Because I'm here to tell you that we are at war like we have never been at war. So I have a two-step plan, or we have a two-step plan, and I'm wanna uh, wanna talk about one of it tonight, and that is to let's let's uh, let's firm up these guys financially. I don't care if it's on Patreon. Just what do you waste twenty dollars a month on? What do you waste? And we are right now in the great battle for, I believe. Truth, justice in the American way. It is coming down right now. And the need for the finances is right now. Hey guys, don't send me. Doug made a nice appeal. Don't send me any money. Don't send me money. If Doug and Joe Hagman go under, it ain't going doesn't matter. I can go feed as many people as I want to, go to as many Perkins as I can, and it's not going to change because ultimately, you know, it's going to come knocking on my door. So the two-pronged approach, listen, you, you, give them 20 bucks a month. I don't know how many, I don't know how many listeners they have. I don't have any idea. What, 50,000? 100,000? I don't know. How many, how many would it be? We said that. We want their sponsors. God bless their sponsors. We want their sponsors to come along and foot the bill, and then I get to ride Spiritual welfare. I get to ride along. I got no skin in the game. I don't have to. I can come on. I can do the chats. I can do a, no investment. Folks, we can't make it any more clear than this. They need you now to secure up so they can look six months down the road and say, we got enough money to do what we do. You got to staff there. And just all these platforms cost money. Then the second prong in my mind, and that's what Steve and and I and some others are working on behind the scene is the getting together of the legal team. And we may come back to you in a, a month from now and say, hey, can you give us 10 bucks a month to fund? Can Guys, can you imagine a war chest? If we were to get people to really buy in and understand this, we were to get a war chest of a million dollars a month to fight in the courts. Can you imagine? Now, here's what this is going to get me in trouble, but I don't care. Listen, I don't care. Those of you still going to church, go to your pastor. Say, hey, pastor, tithe's going to be a little bit light this month. The tithe's going to be 20 bucks light this month because I'm giving it to the Hagman and Hagman report. 
because they're talking about stuff that you won't talk about. And number two, those of you who aren't in church anymore, and this has become your church with Pastor Langford coming on here and all the great people come on here, and here you are, and you're not you're not giving anything, and you're going to come here every night, and you're going to listen to these guys, and you're not going to put anything in the offering plate. Come on, man. We need you. We need you to man up. What is it about? What is it anyway about money that is so hard for people to get? I, I, I mean, I just the stuff I see, I go into our local carryout down. The stuff I see people spending money on lottery tickets and cigarettes and beer and oh my goodness. And we are we're in a war. So everybody, everybody. I did a video a few months ago, a year ago, maybe now called "I'm Looking for Somebody Else." And that's what it is. We're looking for somebody else to fund. Somebody else. Let somebody else do it. And I think right now, you ought to go. I feel like a preacher here. I've always wanted to do this. I feel like one of those, uh, one of those, uh, TV preachers. Go right now, right now. But listen, really, before the show's over, visit their website and donate 10 bucks, 20 bucks, a dollar a night, a dollar a night. My wife and I, we went and watched uh, uh, that Churchill movie, uh, Darkest Hour. We went and watched that the other night. I got a good cheap matinee ticket. It's only five bucks. Ten bucks. She and I went and watched that movie. Just blew it. Just blew it away. Got some popcorn. You can fund a, you can find a fund a war. We are in a war, and we can't let our two greatest soldiers starve to death on the battlefield. This is very very real, and each and every one of you. Need to get some skin in the game. Amen, Coach Dave. Coach Dave, alive. Uh, thank you, by the way. I didn't mean to interrupt. Go on. No, but it's truth, right? Yeah, it's, it's the true. truth. Yes, yes. It's true. See, we could we could spread this out across everybody. I don't know, Doug. I just I was talking to my wife today. I mean, I look at I look at the views on. I don't know how many people are listening to you, but I know a lot of people are. And you mean to tell me that some of your shows, a hundred thousand people are watching YouTube, and they can't get can't give $20. They can't give $20 a month. Just do the math. And Doug's not getting fat off of it. He was just naturally fat before the show even began. Yeah. He's taking that money. He's taking that money and he's paying it out to lawyers and doing all this other crazy stuff. And, uh, boys and girls, we don't even have to dig deep. We just, it, we just got to do what's right. And again, get off that spiritual uh, welfare and uh, become part of the team. You, you know, I have to just say this, Coach, and I'll uh, turn it to, to Steve. You had said one time, and I, I have this on a postcard, and uh, it's above my desk in my office. The devil knows thy name, and, and you know <laughs> that 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 is Coach Dave Dobmeyer. Every time I, I get alerts on on uh, my email, and uh, uh, I don't think I, I I think Coach Dave Dobmeyer is is like the leading the pack in terms of the people within the crosshairs of the left wing, the progressive liberal fascists, always saying, well, you know, my goodness, did you see what, uh, did you hear what Coach Dave said on his program this morning or that morning or on Hagman Report? It's just amazing. But but the devil knows thy name. and, uh, and uh, The devil ought to know your name. He knows Steve Quayle's name. That's right. I promise you. He knows Doug Hagman's name. I promise you he does. And so the the assault is coming, and we're we're all men. We're manned up. We understand the we understand the skid that we got in the game. And it shouldn't be too much to ask people out there to keep us on the battlefield. That shouldn't be that much to ask. That shouldn't be that much to ask. And then once we get Joe and Doug solidified, then we're going to go to raise some money so we can begin to pull out Goliath's sword and chop off his head. 
we're, hey, we're going to win this thing, but some of you guys are going to have to man up and uh, belly up to the bar, tighten your belt, earn your meal money. We need help. We need help to secure these guys for the next six months so that we can really go to war. We shouldn't have to be worrying about whether or not we're going to have a platform from which we can speak the truth. Because it's the de- see, the devil is after the truth. He's after the word. He's after the truth. And we sit here every night, and I listen to the great guests that they have, and great ones coming on after Steve and I are gone tonight, and information after information after information, and then we burp. Oh, that was good. He'll be on tomorrow night get another good meal and expect somebody else to pick up the tab. Come on. Uh, I, I love that. I, I love that. Uh, e- e- very interesting uh, um, analogy there. Uh, wow. Uh, it's the truth, brother. E- it is the truth. <laughs> e- e- yeah. And, and thank you. Uh, very kind words. Steve, uh, pop in here because Coach Dave is instrumental in doing a lot of things as well. And, and you and Coach Dave are, are working on some things that are not quite ready for uh, you know prime time in terms of exposure yet. But uh, uh, so there's a lot of things that, that are going on, and people, so many people have been affected. Steve, uh, you know. With with what well, we we've been experiencing this for a number of years now, others are experiencing it in uh, overtly, aren't they? Yep. Yeah. Well, I remember, Doug, when I first started talking about this stuff. Now, listen, I'm called no matter what slanderous lies are said about me. I have been ahead of the curve by the grace of God. Someone says, you talk too much about yourself. I hey, I don't talk about myself except that my, my golden rule is, is that a man has nothing except he receive it from above. And the point that I'm trying to make to everyone tonight is, look, we, there are some things we just can't say yet. And when we can say them, we will say them. And when we can show them, we will show them. Those of you that are absolutely doing everything you can to slander us, demean us, accuse us, lying. And it's a federal crime, but of course, what does that mean anymore? One of the other things we're working on with this group behind the scenes, I want to give you a, a reality check, everyone. Do you remember when the ISIS kill list was out there? And now we all know who started ISIS. Why is it that the FBI refuses to release the names on the list. Well, deed, 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 I'll give you that. I won't do my uh, Jeopardy uh, uh, theme song, but I will tell you this. 19,000 are on that list, 19,000 plus. Now, if the same uh, organization or the infiltrators and who are treachery and treacherous and they, subs- they subscribe to the Islamic model put in by an Islamic uh, usurper, the entity who made this statement, America is no longer a Christian nation, you've got to understand something. There's a reason why you're not being told. On the top of the list, okay, are people who are talk show hosts. Now, remember, I gave you all a formula years ago. Those of you who have been listening to me for 25 years or whatever, I as in India, V as in Victor, N as November, D as in Delta, identify, vilify, nullify, destroy. Alex Jones and those who have been taken down off of YouTube and all of us who have been demonetized, Doug, I have, anybody who has YouTube channels, uh, still, you know, we basically are fighting the dragon. And you don't have to be St. George. All you have to do is be called by the name of the Lord. And when I see the righteous are as bold as lions, and I see the meow men, and I don't care, Dave, you know, if men want to put uh, female body parts on their head and parade around 
and Sweden. That tells you that nation has gone to hell, in my opinion. That nation will allow its women to be raped and plundered, pillaged, and even murdered. And, oh, gee, it's just the poor immigrants. Uh, look at Germany. The only guy that's got any balls... You heard me right. Balls is Victor Orban, and now he's being uh, under attack by George Soros. Ladies and gentlemen, I made a statement years ago. Identify, vilify, nullify, destroy. This attack that's on the Second Amendment and the First, they go hand in hand. There is no amendment without the Second Amendment. Is absolutely, is absolutely the last battle. This is your last chance. And I can tell you this, you think that you're sitting on two mil, three mil, four mil, you know, a windmill, whatever mill, and I'm talking money, or X number of things, and we're only going after, uh, you know, the people that can afford it. As, as Dave said, if you do not contribute, then you're living off the host. In this case, Doug and Joe, they're the hosts of the show. Parasites live off the host because they have to produce. And I got to tell you something. I've called Doug when he's had migraine headaches equal to mine. And you can tell in his voice, and, and those of you who suffered, and, and, and please, I, I'm telling you this, I've taken everything known to man for migraines, magnesium, you name it, you know. But there are times when the pressure gets so big. And so, look, here's the thing. Don't tell me you're behind me, D Dave. Uh, I absolutely categorically reject anybody out of, out of, you know, out of it. If they don't put their money where their mouth is, King David said he's not going to offer unto the Lord anything that doesn't cost him something. Given it shall be given. I don't want anybody behind me. I'm a walking alongside Doug and Joe Hagman. I'm walking uh, along. And by the way, I call you Dave, uh, you know, Bulldog Dave, and that's a compliment, you know. You don't, and this, ladies and gentlemen, is a genuine compliment. My Bible says give credit to whom credit is due, honor to whom honors do. I know nothing about sports, but I know everything. I, I think I know everything as it pertains to spiritual warfare, as it pertains to my life. And Jesus and the Word of God declare He will deliver us from every weapon that's formed against us will not prosper. That's Isaiah 54, 17, you know. And the problem is, is I don't think people give it. Well, I can't say that. Forgive me. I, Lord, uh, check my tongue. I believe that those who will not step up to the pump, and I believe this, I believe they're parasites. Now, I'm not talking about people that can't pay their bills, that can't pay, and, and Doug, I have literally, people have sent me their last dollar and I send them back $100 or more. I'm not saying whoopee for me, but I just, because that's, that is so precious to me. And look, they put it in. They gave a, a one, I give a hundred. I'm not out asking for money. God is supplying my need, and, and those of you that have bought our DVDs and buy our books and support us. We're, we're up against the biggest people in the world. You don't understand the most powerful entities, supernatural and political, are against us, ladies and gentlemen. And it doesn't matter. Mike Adams and God bless him and Alex Jones, but the spiritual nature of this, they want to put a political face on it. We're stripping the political face off of the enemies of, of, of all that's taking place, and I understand now, Coach Dave, the enemy's end game. okay, there's a sports term that I do understand, is to wear out the saints, to wear out the mm. saints. 
little did I know that he would use the sandpaperish tongues and the barbed wire teeth of fessants and uh, confessants, but they don't possess the truth, okay? They claim they do, and it was only a matter of convenience. So, ladies and gentlemen, I'll make it clear. It doesn't get any clearer for Doug and I. When people admit in their pleadings or in their uh, uh, affidavits that they're double-minded, that, you know, they have issues, and then that they're on drugs, and then that their own kids have said, you know, you need to be committed, and then the, the person tells the kids, if you, can, if you say that under oath because I'm going to be involved in litigation, I'll, I'll disown you. See, the deal is, I can publish, and I will publish, and then you discern it. But it's more than that. All we're saying is, look, we're on the tip of the spear. We're on the bow of the icebreaker. And when I've complained to the Lord, he said, if I didn't place you on the bow, the people on in the rear of the, uh, you know, of the uh, icebreaker couldn't come through. In other words, somebody's got to take the heat. But please, mm -hmm. ladies and gentlemen, stand with Doug and Joe. Please stand with them financially. Because, uh, you know, after the show, Coach, and I'll turn it right back up to you, I will go to my knees and say, Lord, I delivered my heart. What more can I do? And I'll tell you point blank, when the day comes that I can underwrite the Hagmans for a full year, I will do it because I've always tried to do it because I'd rather do it than ask anybody. I can't do that right now. And the point is, is that please, multiple points are that those of you who could even step up and like Coach said, twenty dollars. If, if if everybody listens, twenty dollars. We're not begging for. Uh, the Lord wants me to have a sixty-five million dollar jet, uh, or you know, I'm a billionaire. There are three of us. This is a literal television uh, evangelist. I'm a billionaire, but I need. Uh, to buy, uh, you know, this Gulfstream jet. And by the way, they underreplaced or they underreported the cost of a Gulfstream jet. I can guarantee you, those of you who are pilots or those of you who fly private aircraft, no, you don't get a Gulfstream jet, a newer one, for three million bucks. So the fraud that's in the body of Christ, or some guy's fifty million dollar temple to his ego. And let me say this: I wish, well, that can't say that. I wish his <laughs> testicular fortitude was as big as his ego for the kingdom of God. Well, I don't know, Larry, you know. Do you believe Jesus Christ is the, uh, the truth, the way, and the life? Do you believe that people who don't uh, believe in him go to hell? Well, I don't know, Larry. Some things are just for God's call. You can go look that up on the Internet. Somebody says, you shouldn't take him on. I'm not taking him on. I'm taking the spirit on. And that people lack discernment. I'm going to say this, please. First request, any of you who are lawyers that know where all this leads, if we don't fight back and stop it, email me, and I'll put you in touch with the people, They've, uh, and you're going to be surprised, even as lawyers in your own uh, right, rank and, and file and whatever you are in, in litigation, and you will understand that we're serious, and I don't know how, Dave doesn't know how, but not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, saith the Lord, and I'm praying, Coach tonight, Doug, you know, uh, Joe, that people respond to this, because if they don't, then when the pain of withdrawal comes, and the follow-up of destruction will surely, uh, uh, well, the, the, the destruction will follow that, when they shut us down and shut us off, you can start looking at the days until they come and kick in 
your doors. Listen, uh, let me make it really simple. The last thing I'm going to say, when they come for your guns, they will come not to take you away, but blow you away. Don't let it go that far. God bless everybody. Dave, go ahead and close it out and do as you can do. Make it clear to people that we all must stand with Doug and Joe at this time, or there will be no Doug and Joe for the next time. Uh, Psalm 94, verse, uh, verse 14 says this. For the Lord will not cast off his people, neither will he forsake his inheritance. Well, I can preach right there, but I won't. But judgment shall return unto righteousness, and all the upright in heart shall follow. All the upright in heart are going to follow righteousness. But listen to this, verse 16, Psalm 94. Who will rise up for me against the evildoer? Or who will stand up for me, the Lord says, against the workers of iniquity? Do you get that? Do you get that? Lord saying, okay, says, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to restore righteousness, but somebody out there is going to have to stand up. Who's going to stand up? Well, there are a lot of people standing. There are. Hagemans are standing. Quail standing. Coaches standing. Lankford standing. I can go on with the names. The guests that are going to be on, they're standing. But you know, the platform that they're standing on is this one. The Hagman and Hagman report. That's the platform. Get some skin in the game. Make a commitment right now, 10 bucks, 20 bucks, whatever it is, I'm putting it on my list and I'm sending it to the Hagmans every stinking month. Because I'm gonna, not going to let the devil win just because I didn't have 20 bucks to throw into the pot, throw into the kitty. Listen guys, I, I'm, I'm always this way. I'm either up or getting up. I, we, when I was coaching, we were either winning or getting ready to win. That's always the way that I saw it. And I, I'm not one of those doomer gloomers. I know things don't look, I know things out there don't look very good, but we just read right here, uh, judgment shall return unto righteousness. The Lord's doing something in our midst. And we got to throw a little bit of money into the kitty and give God something to work with. Doug, Joe, we love you guys. I know Steve loves you guys. Uh, we are a, uh, we're a conglomerate of guys, aren't we? We are yes. really, really something. But the Lord has called us all here for, for this time, for this very time, for such time as this. And, and I, I cannot think of a better coach to have in these times than Coach Dave Dobmar. Coach, thank you so much. You, bless you guys. God bless you. And we're up against the, uh, actually, top of the hour. We blew through the network break. Thank you so much for, Coach. Go, thanks go for, now and donate then. Huh? They can go right now and donate. Thank you. Okay. All right, my brother. And, and you know, um, th- thank you for everything you do. We really appreciate you. My, my goodness. And, and by Likewise, the way, brother. And, and folks, anyone listening to this, uh, via archive or, or live, make sure you tune in to Coach Dave live in the mornings. You want some, uh, really great, I mean, some great, uh, fellowship. Coach Dave Live. Go to CoachDaveLive.com. In fact, bookmark that website. We're, we're against the uh, top of the hour. Thank you very much, Coach. Thank you, Steve Quayle. Uh, bless you guys. God bless you, man, my friend. Um, well, what an incredible, what, uh, yeah. Joe, you know, Coach and, and Steve are incredible men and they're real men. They're not soy boys. They're not the, um, beta males. No, that's uh, true. You know, the first time we met Coach Dave was in Montana. Yes. At yes. the, uh, uh, Whitestone conference. And Greg Evenson came on to talk. Yep. I think it was the first speech Saturday morning was Greg Evenson's slot. Well, Greg gave a very emotional 
speech, and about halfway through, he said, I want to introduce you guys to somebody. And he pulled him right out of the front row, right? I right mean, the, never, didn't know who the yep, guy was. Yep. He had his, uh, a hat on with yep. a red cross. <clears throat> and this guy gets up there, and he's running back and forth in the front aisle and up and down, and he's screaming, just like you'd expect being in a, in a huddle or a practice of a, on a football team, getting yelled at by your coach. Coach Dave is sitting there screaming yeah, about the It wasn't like getting yelled at, though. No. Yeah, yeah, it was screaming like about a, the system, yeah, man. Scre- yeah, screaming yeah. about the, from the apostate church. And that was very moving. And, and ever since that day, ever since we saw him speak there, uh, I think you and me looked at each other and said, we got to get him on. Absolutely. And, and I love his program in the morning. I, I really do. I, I stalk that program. In other words, I listen, you know, but no one... I'm not there, you know. I'm going to try to get in there more uh, because it's it up. is a good program. And, and yeah. if I'm not mistaken, you can have a, a group of people who can yes. interact yes. as well as not just having coach yep. talk to you. So yeah, you can get, there, there are, there are the ways you, you can kind of listen blind, shall we say? But it, it's it's a it's, he does a great job. And and you know, Steve, Steve uh, I, I found I've, Joe. I got to tell you, I found uh, a, a cassette tapes. I, I, what are those? Millennials are out there saying, I found cassette tapes of, uh, Steve's, some of Steve's old, uh, programs on shortwave. Um, uh, my goodness, I think, I think 1997, 98. It was, it was pre 9-11, I can tell you that. And it was, it was just, it was really funny to listen to. But at any rate, at any rate, uh, I Him just want to thank them. And, uh, yeah, yeah. And, I and, that. and this is back when, like, I didn't know anything. Steve said, hey, you know, Back in the early 2000s, can you take like a night? I man, did I ever screw that up? I was the worst of the. I, anyway, um, I think I cost uh, Steve some listeners, but but uh, having said that, look, uh, great first hour went right through the network break. Uh, have a great rest of the program lined up for you. We've got uh, uh, we have Jake got, more funny is coming yeah. up right now, and uh, the issue here now is censorship. Oh yeah, Jake Morphonius has had a fantastic YouTube channel. And he was right at the tip of the spear on so many of these investigations, including the Las Vegas investigation. Now, his YouTube channel was Blackstone Intelligence, but you can just go to his website, blackstoneintel.com. He has a new YouTube channel up. It's Jake333. And there you can go and check out the videos that he has up there. And I had a nice conversation before the show with Jake, and we talked about a number of things. This censorship being first and foremost, then we have issues of, of Jake also being harassed, and it is uh, just such a, a dangerous time to be in the alternative media, and Jake, a great investigative journalist, <clears throat> is being censored. But by the way, this goes into the bigger thing too, Joe. We all need to stick together. We really do. Um, to, yes. to, as best we can is... is it lift each, lift one another up and help one another. If we're all headed toward that same goal of truth telling, if that's what our goal is, isn't it only right, Joe, to, to, to make sure that we lift each other up and to support to. one another? Okay. Well, we have to because when one falls, if you have that network of, uh, you know, uh, coworkers, uh, uh, friends, then that other, the rest of the group can, can lift you up and, and, uh, you know, carry you. When you're out there isolated and alone, and you get censored or blacklisted, what other recourse do you have if you don't have other like-minded people out there? And all of Jake's 135,000 YouTube subscribers, gone. All his content 
gone. It really is a shame. Jake, welcome back to the Hagman Report. Thanks. Great to talk with you. So let's start here. You're a second strike on your YouTube channel. And Dad and, and folks in the studio, this is really interesting. Uh, right before Jake got his third strike, he obviously got his second strike. Well, guess what his second strike stemmed from? It was an interview that he did on our show, The Hagman Report. You know, Jake, can you tell us a little bit about Yeah, I just want to say this. Jake, I, for some reason, I feel the need to say, man, I'm sorry. And I mean that. Okay. <laughs> Look, I don't know what, I'm just sorry. If we had anything to do with that, obviously we did. Oh, no, you, you most certainly didn't. Uh, there, there was, so this, this second strike that I got, uh, I got received one strike February 27th, and um, that was just ridiculous. It was a five-minute uh, episode that I had done a couple of years ago where I was talking just from a historical perspective, what is a false flag? It was trying to explain to people new to the subject, when you hear someone say false flag, what does that mean? So I cited historical examples that most historians agree on, such as the Gulf of Tonkin incident, that led to the outbreak of the uh, the Vietnam War, some things like that. So it wasn't one of these weird conspiracy theory things talking about how people never get shot. Anything. It was just history, very simple, straightforward, the kind of thing that I think would be appropriate in any history class in America. But they gave me a strike for that. Uh, the second strike came the next day, and this was from an episode that I had done uh, with you guys, I pulled just a five-minute clip from one of the shows that we did together. And in that clip, I'm speaking with uh, John Robertson about how unfortunate it is that uh, there are some fringe uh, conspiracy theorists that are offering just really ridiculous and, I guess, offensive theories to explain what happened in Las Vegas on October 1st. Um, it, it, well, I wasn't at all saying they don't have a right to their opinions, but some of these, like, nobody got shot, nobody got hurt, they're all crisis actors. That's what I was saying, making the point that uh, by association, what happens when you have that kind of stuff promoted, um, it makes the rest of us look a little bit loony by association. And And so John and I were talking about that, how there is good legitimate research to be done by citizen journalists, uh, and I specifically said in, in that clip that I do believe that people were shot, that I didn't think that it was a fake event, and um, so there was no community standard violation, and yet YouTube pulled that down and said that I was guilty of bullying, uh, that it violated the standard on bullying. Go figure. Wow. Bullying who? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's what I asked. And how does, how is that extrapolated? In other words, um, can, can you walk me through your hypothesis as to how, I'm not even sure how to, how to form this question. How do they extrapolate that or arrive at that bullying, uh, charge allegation? Is it just uh, the, the keywords in there, or the, the the words that they they, they don't, obviously not not paying attention to the content? Oh, I'm just I'm, I I'm confused. I assume it's just a catch-all. I think that there there was an algorithm that was out there snagging as many videos with certain keywords in them, uh, and then flagging those, and they were pulling them down. 
now I just don't accept YouTube's explanation that it was an accident, that they've just hired a bunch of new people and that um, this was just, you know, the, the fault of new people who didn't really know what they were doing. It was an accident. That's not correct because this is a repeat of what they did to my channel back in October. Back in October, just a few days after the shooting, uh, one of my videos had gone viral and it was outranking uh, CNN, MSNBC, Fox News, outranking all of them on Google when you typed in Las Vegas shooting. And again, nothing offensive in it, just offering an idea, an idea which at the time was backed up by uh, a lot of police that they thought that there may have been an additional shooter somewhere on the fourth floor. So it was just an analysis of that, looking at the evidence. Well, they gave me a strike uh, for bullying and pulled it down. And at that time, uh, Wall Street Journal, USA Today, and a couple dozen, literally a couple of dozen uh, uh, news sources picked up on this, and they reported on what YouTube did to me. And uh, in the Wall Street Journal, I told them, look, this is my opinion. It's my analysis. Everyone's got an opinion. I can understand that uh, YouTube may not agree with my opinion, but, you know, it's not an offense. It's it's not a violation of community standards to have a contrary opinion. Uh, and so it's rather draconian to come in and, and do this. And as a reason, I don't know. I had appealed the strike. They didn't... Uh, they didn't reinstate it at first, but after these news articles came out, I guess it got enough attention that they did reinstate it. Uh, so one thing they did not reinstate was the monetized earnings that I had on that video because I had gotten over two and a half million views, fully monetized views on that video before they removed it. So even though they admitted to their error and they restored the video, they have ever since October refused to pay me what was the equivalent of about $7,000 in monetization for that uh, with no explanation. They simply refused to discuss it with me. And, and um, that's, so, Jake, I don't mean to interrupt, but that's kind yeah. of the, uh, the the other part of this, the other side of this. This is an, a war of, of economics. I mean, this is... You know, you, this is how you fund your research, and they're they're hitting you in your pocketbook, right? I mean, that's yeah. yeah. I think that uh, you know we see uh, some of these channels being restored uh, this week, and that's good, and I'm glad for that. And uh, but the the problem is, most of the people that are having their channels restored, they're all saying the same thing, which is, I'm going to have to self censor what I what I say in order to keep this from happening again. And I think that that may be part of the the reason uh, that they're doing this. I mean, they have us who are doing this as part of our livelihood uh, that rely on an income from from the videos that we create. I think that this is just a backdoor way of intimidating us into keeping our mouths shut uh, and not making waves. But then you've got knuckleheads like me and others who, yeah, sure, you you if we do get our channels back. I'm not going to change what I say. I'm not going to self-censor. If I'm not violating a standard, I'm not going to live in fear. If I need to go to another platform that is less uh, likely to censor, so be it. But uh, I don't know. It's a it's an ugly situation. <laughs> Very yeah. ugly. Yes, it is. And the uh, demonetization, I believe, what they the reason that they did that is to for, for many people who are making 
revenue, substantial revenue off of YouTube. They demonetized many accounts, I think, in order to dissuade people from continuing to do videos. Well, if you're not going to get paid for the videos, why continue to put the content out there if you're not going to reap the benefits from it? And I think to their surprise, that motivated people even more to put the content out there, whether they were getting paid for it or not, probably you know, angering them very much. So now they have uh, had to adopt new ways to go about censoring people, excuse me, which is using things like the uh, putting strikes against people's accounts, the copyright infringement. We got into a, a situation with YouTube when we streamed the presidential State of the Union address, and we used the C-SPAN feed. Well, the next morning when we wake up, we have a copyright strike against our channel, which uh, uh, blocked our ability to live stream for 90 days, and the copyright strike was issued by CNN. They didn't even own the feed, and what happened was we had to fight it. It was eventually lifted, but they did not lift the 90-day live stream restriction until about six weeks into it. So they're going to continue to do these things in order to dissuade people uh, and to stop them from uh, continuing to make content. Now, they are outright banning channels. And as you said, and Dr. Drone Corsi and others have been through this, they're going back in time, videos, two, three, four, six years old, to find reasons to put strikes against these companies or against these channels. And what's even worse is you have the mainstream media, CNN and others, who are advocating that YouTube shut down these channels. Why would that be? Are these people so threatened? by some small, obscure, alternative media channels that they need to lobby to get them to, sh to be shut down? Or is it because the truth of the matter is they are losing relevance? They have lost the information war. They have lost the, the, the truth. And therefore, however obscure or big these other YouTube channels are, they need to be shut down because they are actually reaching the people. It really is uh, uh, the the complete opposite of freedom. And this, you look at uh, people complain about the United States uh, and our system, and well, there's too much control from the multinationals, and so capitalism is bad. Let's start moving towards something like corporatism, socialism. But really, the problem is not that capitalism is not working the way it should. The problem is we don't even have true capitalism anymore. We have a system of crony capitalism where corporations are in bed with uh, lawmakers and and so it's not a it's not real. And the news is kind of the same way. If you let the free market determine what news people are going to go to, the fact is that especially with the rising generation they are turning more and more to independent media and leaving what is very obviously uh, a dishonest, uh, outdated, archaic system uh, where where the, they outright lie. And I don't blame them for that. And I made that point in the Wall Street Journal article. The the man that the, was interviewing me for the, the Wall Street Journal kept saying, "But can't you concede that you your work is is not?" more legitimate or not as legitimate as the work of the Wall Street Journal and therefore you should not get the kind of um, attention that that we do and I said no I don't agree with that I've you know I'm, I'm professional in what I do I double source I've got a history and investigation and I apply the same standards to to my reporting and because he could not get me to say what he wanted uh, when the article came out the next day, 
he completely fabricated a quote from me saying that I was saying uh, that I know I'm not as reputable as the Wall Street Journal. So I threatened to sue the Wall Street Journal because I had my side of the conversation recorded and I said, here, let, let's uh, <laughs> you, uh, just caught you. And so they did. They issued a retraction and admitted that they had fabricated the quote from me. And so my point to them in a follow-up video that I made is, this is why people are turning to us and away from mainstream media, because you are dishonest. If you can't get the story that you want, you make it up. You twist the facts. And that's certainly not the case with every outlet or every reporter, but that is the reason why more people go to YouTube for their news then they go to CNN or or other major media, uh, media platforms. It's because people have lost faith. They know that they are uh, they are just not honest anymore. All right, Jake. I want to ask you um, your take, your analysis on this. You had just said this is why people go to, for example, YouTube for their news. Uh, I have actually two part question. This this question and then the follow up question, which which is. Basically, what are you personally doing about this? But uh, this part of the question is, what is your response to people saying, well, YouTube really is a private entity, and like private sites, they can decide who they want on and who they don't want on. It's really not, you know, so if you want, for example, if you want to um, have your say and YouTube doesn't want to host you, that's their, that, that's their right not to host you. You, you go out and search your own channel, for example. Mm-hmm. So what do you say yeah. to that, uh, Jake? Well, a couple of things. First of all, uh, when when you become a content creator on YouTube, you sign a, a an electronic signature on a contract, and it's a it's a contract that both sides agree to certain terms. I agree to not violate the the uh, stated standards. They agree to. Uh, uh, if they run ads that they, they pay me. So it's a two-way agreement. And if I comply with the letter of the law that they set out, then they are contractually obligated to, uh, to, 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 uh, respect my, uh, uh my earnings and, and pay and so forth. But you're right. They, they do have the ability to say, well, we're going to judge what we can and can't have on the YouTube platform. The problem, and I'm sure you've heard this, uh, this argument, is that YouTube is so big and Google is, which owns YouTube is so massive. It is today what used to be considered the public square. And so things change. You, you cannot have something as massive that monopolizes the public square the way that YouTube does and let them be said and what can't be said. It gets to the point where they become so big and so influential and so controlling of what the American public hears that you have to consider that they may need to be regulated as a, as a utility, as a public utility, similar to water. You can't have a company come in and say, you can no longer drink water. Uh, it's in the public interest that the public have access to water at a fair price. So uh, information is now the commodity. And if they have a monopoly on th- this control of information and they can regulate it uh, themselves, potentially to the detriment of the public, then it becomes a matter of public interest, in my opinion. Uh, so I, I think that we've reached the point where we need to uh, start talking to legislators about the possibility that if YouTube is going to engage in outright censorship of certain opinions that they don't personally espouse, 
given the size and scope of their influence, they may need to be uh, uh, turned into a public utility. Very well articulated. I've heard that argument, and in my my own personal assessment, I, I really agree with that. Uh, agree with you, your assessment and your uh, articulation thereof. Now, uh, so many things we we could talk for days, but. Uh, Jake, I, I mean, you've been under attack. You've been getting hammered. You, you, you're suffering economically. You're suffering, um, you know, having to rebuild your content and your intellectual product. How are you? What, what are you doing here to um, mitigate the damage and to rebuild? And where can people? How can people help? And where can mm-hmm. people find you? Right. Well, thank you for asking. The as you guys pointed out earlier in in the show. We do need to stick together, and there has been the most generous outpouring from the truth community when they saw my channel go down. I have had a, a number of of uh, very influential people, both from the YouTube community as well as from other platforms, reach out to me and say, hey, what can we do to help? And so I have, for example, started uh, posting videos to DTube. Uh, my channel is d.tube slash c slash Morphonios, M-O-R-P-H-O-N-I-O-S. And I just did an interview yesterday with Titus Frost, who uh, has a large following on DTube, and he was very generous and did an interview and encouraged his people to seek me out there. I'm also on Steemit, which is, I guess, the blog side of, of DTube. Uh, that's steemit.com slash Morphonios. I also have bitshoot.com slash Morphonios. But I think what I'm doing moving forward is while I'm uploading to those locations, uh, I am going to, to focus more on making my own website, blackstoneintel.com, a central hub. I'm just looking at options for um, hosting videos. The big issue is that it's not so much the new videos that I create, but uh, a massive archive of hundreds and hundreds of hours of data, uh, whether or not I want to pay to have that hosted somewhere or uh, keep it offline or upload it somewhere else. But, uh, really I am, I am collaborating with a number of, of uh, other YouTubers and non-YouTubers who, who are being very helpful and uh, trying to get the word out. So for right now, the main place I'm uploading is DTube. Well, that's awesome. And we've been looking for alternatives to YouTube for a long time. And that's definitely something that we're going to be checking out as we all have to move away from YouTube for what they're doing to any and everybody who is speaking the truth. Jake, we only have a few minutes left. I want to ask you this. The Florida school shooting, we've seen a lot of the censorship. You know, people are, are uh, making reference to the phrase crisis actor while referring mm-hmm. to some of these people. We won't do that. But this Florida shooting, uh, they, they have come after the guns. They have turned this into an attack on the Second Amendment. And we have seen multiple, multiple failures of law enforcement at the local level, at the federal level, as well as the promise policy at school, <clears throat> which does, did not allow students to be arrested for felony charges, which would have further prohibited them from obtaining firearms. Mm-hmm. Who do we blame here? Is it everybody? Is it the, the FBI? Is, is it the uh, local law enforcement, the Broward County Sheriff? And what do you make with the uh, the, the sheriffs not going inside? It, it's it's very disturbing, very troubling. And I, I know a lot of people have commented on it. I'll I'll maybe draw attention to, to 
another aspect of the Florida shooting and, and the, the response to it. Uh, we saw immediately after the shooting, there was a well-organized, well-orchestrated effort to push gun control. That effort was not something that was organic that just sprung up of its own because a bunch of high school students suddenly think we need to speak out about this. There was already in place uh, a, a game plan. And we saw something similar to this uh, in the first few weeks of the Trump administration when, um, as soon as he announced his um, immigration restriction, suddenly, within hours, there were mobs of people at uh, at the airport with pre-printed signs about immigration. And you look at the the sources of these signs, the organizations, these are all Marxist organizations that receive massive funding from George Soros. Uh, George Soros is very much, very deeply involved in financing these various leftist groups that are uh, attacking fundamental rights, attacking uh, control of the borders, attacking freedom of speech, freedom of religion, traditional families, and, and certainly Second Amendment. Um, so I, I think that the principle of never letting a good crisis go to waste is very much the case here. They used the Las Vegas shooting as justification to do a massive crackdown on YouTube channels. Mine was one of them, uh, but they did it across the board. And now they're using this as a as an excuse to to grab guns, and uh, it makes you wonder. Uh, while I don't necessarily buy into all of this crisis actor stuff, uh, there are anomalies that are shocking to anyone who is fair minded. There are aspects to this that uh, when you have the number of students that we've seen come forward and state that they heard gunfire from multiple locations at the same time. When they talk about the drills that were planned, including the potential use of um, uh, uh, of uh, blanks, and then you look at the behavior of the FBI, we know that the, the FBI had been informed. They say, oh, we didn't know, we couldn't do anything. But that same excuse, they've used that over and over and over again. The FBI was very much involved in advance with the Sarnayev brothers in Boston before the Boston Marathon bombing. They had been going to the home of the Sarnayev brothers. They were very much aware uh, of these men. Same with the Orlando shooting. Um, the, they had the shooter under surveillance for a long time. Mm-hmm. So that's, uh, that's a concern. Jake Morphonius is our guest. Jake, we are there with you. Anything we can do to help to get the word out, we'll continue to continue to promote your new YouTube channel. Also, we will promote your website, and you have an invitation it's, it's to see come how they, They've changed our uh, language. It's uh, the new video channel, period, not YouTube. We will continue to, <laughs> to promote you and have you come on here uh, to talk about your investigative findings. Jake, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. Keep up the good work. Don't let them get you down. Great job, guys. All right. God bless you, my friend. Here we'll be right back. Network break. Welcome to this edition of the Hagman Report. You know, it's so much, so many headlines going on, a lot of things going on behind the scenes. But let me talk, let me address directly right now. 
to those of you who either own or manage a business. I'm talking to you. How hard is it or how easy is, is it to find the right person? Let me tell you about ZipRecruiter, ziprecruiter.com slash Hagman. You know, every business needs great people and a better way to find them. Something better than posting your job online and just praying that the right person will see it. And if you are hiring, posting your position to job sites and waiting and waiting just for the right person to see it, is that a good way to spend your time? Well, ZipRecruiter knew there was a smarter way, so they built a platform that finds the right job candidates for you. That's right, I'm talking to you, the person who either owns a business, manages, does the hiring. ZipRecruiter learns what you're you're looking for. They identify people with the right experience and invites them apply to your job. These invitations have revolutionized how you find your next hire. In in fact, 80% of employers who post a job on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate through the site in just one day. And let me tell you, that makes all of the difference. Timing is is critical in situations like this. And ZipRecruiter doesn't stop there. They even spotlight the strongest applications you receive, so you, you will never miss a great match. It's The right candidates are out there. ZipRecruiter is the means, is exactly how you can find them. Businesses of all sizes trust the ZipRecruiter for their hiring needs. Right now, our listeners... The listeners to the Hagman Report, you can try ZipRecruiter for free. That's right. It's free. Just go to ZipRecruiter.com slash Hagman. You go to HagmanReport.com and click on the right the, the link to ZipRecruiter.com slash Hagman. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash Hagman. Let me spell Hagman for you. It's H-A-G-M-A-N-N. ZipRecruiter.com slash Hagman. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. Now, without any any further delay, uh, Tracy Beans, uh, uh, Joe, she, she notified John. She said, "Man, get me, get me there. I'm 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 hot. I'm ready to throw. Put me in the game. I'm ready to play." Uh, got some breaking news. So, yes, so any further ado, and and we're gonna bring Tracy Beans on. She's been a regular contributor to the Hagman Report, bringing awesome, up to date information. Tracy, welcome back to the Hagman Report. Hey guys, how you doing tonight? Fantastic. We are. Uh, Anticipating what it is you have to share with us, yeah, folks. So it's a, I'm a little, I'm a little, you know, jumpy when you get something like this and you start to put pieces together. You get a little bit um, energized because the the puzzle's unraveling, you know. So I, I've been, I'm going to try and and cram a, a somewhat complicated story into a very short period of time. So please slow me down or stop me if you lose me, okay? Okay, right on. All right. So we're going to go back to Seth Rich. And um, after Seth Rich was murdered, and we're going to talk about Jack Berkman. Do you guys know who Jack Berkman is? Yes, but okay. could, go ahead, go ahead and tell people. So, okay. So, in case anybody you know is is confused, Jack Berkman is a lobbyist, and he's a lawyer, and he was the attorney for the Rich family immediately following. Uh, the death of their son, and he is very shady, um, appeared on InfoWars, I believe, in January of 2017, and he said that he had received credible information that Seth Rich had discovered that the Russians had hacked the DNC and that Putin had ordered him killed by the Russians. Very and interesting. 
so we, you know, we were all saying at the time, there's no, we obviously, we know that's not true. And it sounds like Jack Berkman's holding water for the, the, the bad guys trying to continue this Russia narrative that Russia hacked the DNC when in fact we know that's not the case at all. It was a leak and not a hack, right? So <clears throat> fast forward a little bit. Jack Berkman is the one who does that forensic study into Seth Rich's death. He funds a um, a death reenactment with, um, and Aaron Rich kind of goes on the record and 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 poo-poo's that. Um, gets into it with uh, Rod Wheeler. It's a big convoluted mess. Long story with that short. Jack Berkman tied to Seth Rich, and you know irreparably always tied to Seth Rich from this point forward. He's he's represented in in the public relations sphere by someone named Glenn Selig. Glenn Selig represented Jack Berkman in regards to the Seth Rich case, and interestingly enough, Glenn Selig also represented um, Rick Gates of Mueller indictment fame. Gates and Manafort worked on the Trump campaign. Gates and Manafort received indictments for you know all kinds of conspiracy and things like that that you know Mueller charged them with in this investigation into Russian interference. Well. Several months ago, Jack Berkman did a fundraiser for Rick Gates's legal fees. Rick Gates appeared at that fundraiser via Skype, um, not Skype, via recorded video, and he said thank you, and he was reprimanded by the judges for actually appearing at that fundraiser and speaking about the case. Um, a little while later after that, Jack Berkman gets attacked in his driveway Glenn Selig does a press release saying, you know, Jack Berkman was attacked in his driveway. Jack Berkman, of course, says, this is because of what I'm doing with, you know, with what I've done with Seth Rich in the past and what I'm doing now with Gates and they're after me. Um, Glenn Selig then takes a trip over to Afghanistan and is killed in a terrorist attack in Afghanistan. The same day, right around that same time, um, Rick Gates's attorneys that have been representing him throughout the entire debacle stepped down under seal. We have no idea why. We still we still don't know. Uh, Gates appoints another attorney who actually coincidentally was the same attorney who engineered the plea deal for Dennis Hastert. Okay. Um, at, at that time, we I I did my I did a video about this and a report on this. Then it stopped there. Until just recently. So as you know, a couple days ago, um, there was a, a few articles. NBC News came out with an article that said now Mueller is looking to indict the Russians that hacked into the DNC server. On the same day that that article came out, the article written by retired Admiral Oh, goodness, what's his name? About Seth Rich, that new article that had just come out kind of rehashing the Seth Rich stuff. That comes out. That article comes out the same day as the article from NBC about Mueller and, in, 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 you know, investigating um, and indicting Russians for hacking the DNC servers. Kim.com comes back out and starts speaking about the Seth Rich case again, saying Mueller's never spoken to him. Fast forward to today. There is a New Yorker piece that comes out. It's called Christopher Steele, the man behind the Trump dossier. It is 14,500 words long. There is a ton of new information in this piece. It's, it's sort of written like a, a story. It's not really a news piece, but it is. It is a news piece. Um, one of the most interesting things that came out of this for me, there are two that really struck me, although there are dozens of them. They admit in this article that 
Christopher Steele believes, based on his sourcing in a page of the dossier that we've never seen, that the DNC, quote, hack was actually also a leak. Okay. So for How the very first... Or yeah. Can it be both? It can. It can. They're saying... Hold on. I'm going to find the, the, the page right here. Um, hold on. Yeah, here we go. Steele says that his sources claimed the digital attack involved agents, quote, within the Democratic Party structure itself, as well as Russian agents in the U.S. and associated offensive cyber operators. And this is the very first time in public there's been any mention of the DNC issue being a leak or, or from inside the DNC ever ever in public. It's never been said before, as far as I know. Do you guys remember it ever being said? Uh, no, because no, you, you've got CrowdStrike running the interference, obviously, among others, but no, it's always been a hack. So this is the first time that that comes out. And later in that same article, something else that's very interesting is said. It says, no evidence, they're talking about the death tied to the dossier, right? During Glenn Simpson's testimony to the Senate Judiciary Committee, his lawyer asserted that somebody's already been killed as a result of the publication yes. of the dossier. Yes. Well, we get in here. In fact, Special Counsel Mueller is believed to be investigating a different death that is possibly related to the dossier. A representative from Mueller declined to answer questions for this article. And so all day I've kind of been like throwing this around, trying to figure out, it's not the original guy that they thought it was because they say in this article it's not him that, that he's investigating the death of the Russian, the original Russian. Um, Oleg Erovinkin, I believe his name was. Um, Correct. So With respect I, to the, I, the death, uh, yeah, yes, in that, in that context, yes, go ahead. Right, so they say it's not him. So I got an email from a good friend who sent me Alicia Powell's article from back in August of 2017, where she reports that Jack Berkman approached Robert Mueller and was begging him to investigate the murder of Seth Rich. Okay, uh, okay. Let, let me make sure I've got this straight. Jack Berkman, say say that again. Jack Berkman has right. gone to Robert Mueller and asked him to investigate the death of Seth Rich. And inside this article, Alicia says. It's because Jack Berkman, quote, knows that it will tie back to the Russians that hacked the DNC servers. Okay. So do you see where I'm going with this? I, I, I do. I, I do. Um, go on. Because I, I do have some questions uh, as you're laying this out. I, I can see the dots, and I can see where you're headed in this. So, but, but go ahead and continue, because I think I know where you might be going in total with this. But go ahead. You know, everybody, this is basically it. Everybody's always asking, you know, I'm always saying how everything is connected. Everything is connected. It's just all connected. The Guccifer 2, you know, the Guccifer 2 issue, the DNC, Seth Rich, Mueller's investigation, um, all of it is all connected. Now, do I know definitively that this is, you know, that Mueller may be investigating the death of Seth Rich? No, we don't know that definitively. Do we know definitively that he's investigating a death? As per the New Yorker article, which I would assume was pretty well vetted before a release, he is. Now, this article was pushed out lightning speed. And the reason why I know this article was pushed out lightning speed is because the author accidentally left a note that Christopher Steele had written himself inside of the article when it was published. 
Okay. And I hate that when that happens, by the way. Um, okay. And now you're aware, by the way, uh, I think it was, what, two days ago now, Zero Hedge published an article about uh, about the contradictions in the Seth Rich murder, um, challenging yeah. the hacking narrative. Yeah, You've it's seen coming that. back. It's coming back. And, and I think that, that they're worried that there's going to be some kind of reveal and they're going to have to get out in front of it, which is why this was so hastily edited and tossed out there today. Um, that's my gut. Yeah. So this is it in a nutshell. And then questions abound. In 10 minutes, I basically did that. Wow. Okay. So basically, until Glenn Selig passed away in Afghanistan, I had no way to connect Berkman and the Seth Rich thing to the Mueller investigation and to anyone involved in the Mueller, you know, indictments. But now I can because Glenn Selig was the PR rep for Berkman as well as Rick Gates who's under indictment and is cutting a plea deal, um, which coincidentally leaked out that that plea deal that he's cutting is in in return for information about Trump's business dealings in Russia. Now, I don't believe that for two seconds because the dossier states in and of itself there's no business dealings in Russia, and why would Mueller doubt the dossier that everybody's been propping up as some brilliant piece of research and investigation, you know what I mean? Um, so it's it's a little cockamamie there, but <clears throat> until then, okay. I didn't uh, have... Go ahead. Sorry. Uh, and no, no, I, I don't... I Believe me, I don't want to interrupt the, your your flow of, of thought, but um, what you're saying here, does this not necessitate the validity of Kim.com? In other words, um, uh, you, you, you more or less, or a person, if you, if you adhere to this, uh, uh, the, the, this uh, trail, this hypothesis, would you not have to uh, verify or agree on the authenticity of Kim.com, um, where he, in fact, he, he sent something back in mid-February, a, a, a message in the tweet uh, back in mid-February, assuring people that the DNC wasn't even a hack, it was an insider with a memory stick. Even approaching Robert Mueller on two right. separate occasions. He did. And an yeah. attempt right. to share that right. evidence only to hear nothing back from Mueller. Yeah, so how does that square? Well, it squares because Kim.com is telling the truth. Um, and, and, you know, Mueller hasn't spoken to him as per Kim.com. And, you know, it wouldn't necessarily be safe for Kim.com to, I guess, give up that leverage um, or mm. come out with that information. Who knows what's going to happen in the, in, in the coming weeks with that, um, I'm not sure. But, you know, obviously both Kim.com and WikiLeaks both kind of say the same thing. WikiLeaks has stressed a gazillion times it has, it wasn't Russia that gave us this information. Kim.com was likely the transfer through, likely whoever it was that, you know, grabbed the info locally, which we've done extensive work on, transferred it through mega upload and that's where Kim.com comes into play. That's my thought. Um, so that's what I think about that. Uh, the, well, I'll tell you what, you're like a you're like a bloodhound on a trail. I, I love it. Tenacious <laughs> investigative, you know. And folks, if nothing else, I'm amazed because this is a different angle here, a different, somewhat different perspective. Putting together some interesting dots ahead of the curve here. Go ahead, continue. So basically I was, you know, we were able to now connect, um, we were able to now connect Berkman to Gates, to Selig, and then understanding what Berkman's original play was until Bauman, the crisis fixer, came into the picture with the Seth Rich case. 
his original thing was trying to continue to pin this on Russia. Um, there was some kind of standoffish stuff between Berkman and Trump. Berkman said he didn't want to work for Trump because Trump was an egotistical maniac. You know, Trump didn't want anything to do with Berkman because Berkman tried to insert himself into the Trump sphere. So there's a little bit of, I guess, animosity there from the research that I've done as well. But Berkman um, was always pushing Russia, 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 and nobody could ever, you know, didn't make any sense, especially not when he came out with it back in January of last year. It didn't make any sense. So I think it was even before the dossier came out and was released. But we know now that there's a missing few pages of that dossier that have not been released to the public and were not released by BuzzFeed. And I think that the poetic justice about this will be that BuzzFeed is suing the DNC to prove that Russia hacked the servers because they're in the fight of their lives right now because some of the people in the dossier are suing BuzzFeed for for libel and slander. Because they're saying, we didn't commit these crimes that you're accusing us of committing. How could you say something like that? And they're suing. And BuzzFeed's trying to say, this is true. So they have to now prove the, the, the validity of the dossier in order to win their free speech case. And so it would be poetic justice if poetic BuzzFeed justice. was the one <laughs> to, to put the final nail on the DNC. Yeah. So uh, what I'm basically trying to say is, is there a chance that Mueller is investigating the murder of Seth Rich? There's a chance. I'm not saying it's definite, but there's a good chance that he's investigating the murder of Seth Rich, given everything that we're seeing. It could be some other random Russian, yeah, but I would assume that he can't go to Russia to investigate a murder. He'd have to investigate a murder here on U.S. soil, right? Um, yeah, there's no, with respect to the OIC, the law, there's no, there's no mandate, um, Outside of the continental United, or outside of the United States, but having said that, when have we followed? Uh, when have they followed the rules before? But yeah, that's okay. True. So okay, so let's take this one step further, and if only if you're willing to go the next step here, um, and I don't want to push you, it, Seth Rich. Then, it, it, well, okay, let me back up. See, like his untimely demise in Afghanistan. Mm-hmm. Okay, what's your thoughts on that? Was that just a, boy, that's just wrong place, wrong time, bad timing, or what? <laughs> so coincidental. <laughs> um, I don't know. I haven't been, you know, from all accounts and purposes, to be honest, there has not been in my research anything that I can find negatively written about Selig. He seemed to be a pretty good guy. I could be wrong about that. There could be something hiding in a dark corner somewhere, but he seemed to be a relatively good guy. I don't know what he knew. And I just find it's very, very random that Berkman's attacked by someone in a dark SUV in his driveway, and less than 10 days later, Selig goes to Afghanistan and is just happens to be killed in a terrorist attack. It's just very strange. Um, connected to the Mueller investigation and to the Seth Rich investigation, I don't know. Okay, now sure there are going to be people out there wondering, uh, people are out there probably going to be wondering about... Okay, so given this scenario, this potential scenario, and and I, I I love the fact, the methodical approach that you're using to deconstruct the past. I, I love your investigative tactics. Now, having said that, where would this put the Clintons, the Hillary Clinton, in, if if at all, uh, or is this just uh, serendipitous? I don't know. You know, there's. Did Clinton order any of this stuff? You know, who knows? Um, 
their fingerprints are all over everything, so we know that. But there are a lot of other characters involved in this mess. And, you know, there's reports coming out, too, and this ties back to Clinton, that Mueller's now investigating the UAE and his connections there. Trump doesn't have connections that I know of in, in you know, Saudi Arabia and stuff like that. Do you? I've never seen anybody talk about business deals in that part of the country. So it wouldn't make any sense to me that Mueller would start investigating that angle for Trump. Um, Emirates and, and such, but... Yeah. So, I mean, you know the connections that Clinton has there. Right. So I don't know what's happening um, right now, to be honest. For all we know, like, they could be doing this, this and, and this is just fresh in my brain tonight. I have not written this down. This is just coming out, so please forgive me if I make a couple of mistakes. Um, but... You know, for all we know, they're trying to prop up the Russians hacked the server. Seth Rich found the hack and was killed mantra to put a nail in the, you know, to, to finish the story on the Seth Rich murder once and for all. Um, but that, that doesn't take into consideration that Cy Hirsch is, you know, out there saying that it was Seth Rich that gave the stuff to WikiLeaks. The parents are probably feeling threatened. You know, that article that came out last week, it says in the article that Seth Rich's parents are have confirmed that he was the one who gave the information to WikiLeaks. I I can't go by that because that would be extraordinary and there's no source. Um, I think it was, what was his name? Uh, oh, goodness. The guy who hired Rod Wheeler. Um, um, yeah, uh, okay. Republican I keep, I keep having Yeah, I keep having Berkman uh, bounce around in my head and that's... It's a B name. Right, um... Well, that him. guy. Okay. Yeah, him. Yes. <laughs> he, he, you know, he's the one who told the retired admiral that, and I can't remember the, the gentleman's name that wrote the article, but he's the one who told him. The admiral was Lyons. Yes. I think, right? Yes. Okay. Yes. All so right. he told Admiral Lyons that he had gotten that information from Seth Rich's parents. So it's a very it's all coming full circle i need literally a half a puzzle piece more to finally probably tie this all up together and every day this week there's been like every day since last thursday there's been a new story out every day so it, 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 the timing on this it strikes me as is interesting as well uh why is this coming out now it, it because the ig reports about to to to, to launch the IG report into what, Hillary Clinton, the handling of her email? Exactly, yes. Yeah. Yeah. No, the OIG report into the FBI and how they handled the investigation of Hillary Clinton's email and Correct. any other matters that would have come up during that investigation. The report's supposed to come out this month, any day now, actually. And that's email-centric or, or Clinton email-centric uh, or overlap at, at the very least into the email the well, yeah, report. yeah, yeah. That's where we got the struck page texts from, which then opened up the whole, you know, a whole other right. window. So yes. Okay. All right. Wow. And, and, and folks, we are we are very fortunate to have with us Tracy Beans, uh, who is deconstructing, methodically deconstructing the uh, the larger issue of the shadow government, deep state, uh, criminal conspiracy that exists involving. Uh, involving the Clintons, involving the DNC, involving the transfer of data. Notice I said transfer of data. Um, 
Okay, it's as opposed to say who's not involved. Well, yeah, but okay. So this, and we we're very fortunate to have Tracy Beans with us, and of course you can follow Tracy Beans at Tracy Beans B E A N Z uh, on uh, social network, and also visit her YouTube channel while you still can. Um, <laughs> uh, but, but I, in, in, folks, this is what it looks like to be in, in a conference room with investigative minds and going through this. I and I, I I'd love to get you here and. As you know, have you spend a, a week or so? You know, we could just all sit down and, and, and just you know dump the puzzle pieces on the table and just go through this. Well, you're um, in luck. I might be able to do that soon. <laughs> really? Yes. Don't tease me now. No teasing. No teasing. Let me ask you this: What do you think the What do you think the Inspector General report is going to is going to say? What do you think the findings will be? And then from there. Who acts on those findings? Say the, the IG says, yes, there's criminality here and here and here. What happens next? There would need to be a special counsel appointed because the FBI can't investigate themselves. The Justice Department can't investigate themselves. So there will need to be a different special counsel appointed for any criminal referral that's made from the IG. Um, to and it is a criminal investi it is an investigation. They do audits as well where they find like malfeasance and stuff, but this is actually an investigation that's been going on for over a year now. Um and I given what we've seen come out of this um IG investigation and given how Michael Horowitz has been treated by the Obama administration who basically handcuffed him to be unable to do his job by requiring that he come to them to ask them for documents that he needed to investigate them. Um, the justice, you know, the Obama administration basically handcuffed the IG to be able to do any investigating or oversight on them whatsoever. So there's bad blood there, lots of bad blood there. Um, so Tracy, we're out of time. Um, oh. Operation Justice, March for Transparency. <laughs> yes. Yeah, come, coming up. Come be transparent with us. You know, okay, so just a month away. Um, that's April seventh, twenty eighteen. March for Transparency. Where could people go to find uh, more information about this? OperationJustice.us. OperationJustice.us. Tracy, let's talk off air sometime and uh, compare notes. And, and uh, we need, we need to give you more time because you're you've got a fabulous investigative mind. Thanks, guys, for having me. I was glad to be here. Thank you so much. Anytime. Tracy Beans, right. folks. Uh, what, 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 a, what an investigative mind. Remember, right back in that work break. You know, Peter Berichuk is a good friend. He's a. He, he, I look at him kind of like a, 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 a guy that really knows inside and out media. He knows the, the playing field. He knows the personalities. He knows the uh, the backstory, which is so important. You know, so important when you talk about the the entirety. Uh, even with the censorship that's taking place today, it it all connects. 
He's going to be joining us momentarily. I do want to point everyone in the direction of HagmanReport.com. There you're going to find an article. Uh, Dr. Jerome Corsi is the latest YouTube casualty, the reflections by John Robertson, as well as uh, an article which I, 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 in fact, I contacted him after he wrote this article saying, you hit this one out of the park, and that is new media body bags are piling up. Hagman Report asks why. And then, of course, uh, Peter Barry Chalka, uh, his article, Last Chance to See Fox's, a Fox News Excellent Scandalous Series. If you didn't catch that in the article that, uh, that coincides with that, you've got to do that. So HagmanReport.com, please bookmark that website. Um, it's, it's critical. And in the days that we are in today, it's even more critical. That, that you bookmark that website because, uh, I was just telling uh, both uh, John and, and Joe and, uh, Eric as well, well, Eric as well, uh, I, uh, not that I'm anything special, but you know, you heard Tracy Beans, um, in the previous segment going through the investigative, walking through the investigative, uh, nuances and, and before her, Jake Morphonius, um, uh, talking about the censorship aspect, you know, nothing happens in a vacuum. And what we're seeing today, and and just keep this in the back of your mind, and, and I'm, I'm claiming ownership to this, okay, we have a lot of strikes out there, but no balls. No balls of the conservatives to ask the questions that they need to be asking. And, to, you know, again, a lot of strikes, no balls. And it's on us, the men, the conservatives, and, and I'm not saying that just the men, but the uh, you know having the fortitude, the the uh, the guts to ask questions. Now you know it, it, I've got to I've got to tell you we talk often about uh, different things like Obamacare and you know man I, I don't know about you but uh, there's certain things that uh, you know in the scheme of things with uh, healthcare uh, boy it's always in the news and deductibles and and how much you're paying for services and and, and I remember the show uh Royal Pains the con- concierge doctor and yeah. stuff like that but, but anyway I'm excited to talk to you about a new sponsor it is hymns.com slash hh now guys this is a new wellness brand for men. That's hims, H-I-M-S dot com slash H-H. I would urge everyone to visit this website. You know, uh, I've got a friend and, uh, I was speaking to him and, and this kind of all happened together. His, his name is for, I'm not going to give his full name. His first name rhymes, well, it rhymes with Steve. Okay. You know what? Not, no, not that Steve. Uh, and I was talking to him, and we were talking about issues. You know, as us guys, we get older. Um, think about this. Sixty-six percent of men begin losing their hair at age by age 35. When you start to notice hair loss, it's kind of already too late. And it's easier to keep the hair that you have than replace the hair that you've lost. And think about that. How true is that? Anyway, I was talking with this with this gentleman, and we were talking about the uh, wouldn't it be nice if and and you could fill that you know uh, fill that sentence or complete that sentence on your own, and it's interesting because hymns dot com slash hh is this wellness brand for men that does complete the sentence I just said. Him uh, for for hymns dot com, I'm sorry for hymns dot com. 
Let me start over again. Forhims.com. F-O-R-Hims.com. Hims is a wellness brand for men. Go to forhims, F-O-R-Hims.com slash H-H. Again, I want to welcome them to our bank of sponsors. 66% of men begin losing their hair by age 35. And Steve and I were talking about the, again, about the ability, uh, not Steve Quayle, but, but another Steve. We were talking about the ability to, to, you know, kind of directly address the problems. Uh, you've got a problem. Wouldn't it be great to have a solution right at hand? Forhims.com is a one-stop shop for hair loss, for skin care, for sexual wellness. It's for men. Medical-grade solutions, real doctors offering well-known generic equivalents to name-brand prescriptions to help you keep your hair. These aren't herbal supplements. These are prescription solutions backed by science. This The service that that is offered by 4hims.com slash hh is exactly what many of you are looking for. You've got a, 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 a problem. This is the solution for hymns.com slash HH. No waiting room. No awkward doctor visits. You save hours by, go to, uh, by going to for hymns.com slash HH. All you got to do, quite simply, is answer a few quick questions. A doctor will review and prescribe you directly to your doctor. Now, look, um, I spoke with the co-founder, myself, of this company. And this, they are providing a service that I don't think any, I've never seen elsewhere. And having spoken to this, this gentleman, um, I guess about a week or 10 days ago, and, and then contacting Stephen, I said, uh, my friend Stephen said, hey, you, you gotta check this, this, this out, forhims.com. And they, and I said, forhims.com slash hh. And his experience, as of this past weekend, he said, you know what? This is the greatest. Thanks for referring me to this. Because his hair loss at his age, um, well, you know, it's, it's, it's a problem. So now forhims.com slash HH, they've got the solution. So we're excited. I'm excited about this. And by the way, this Steve that I'm referencing, who's a friend. He's very good, extremely good at uh, investigations, and he's working. He's in fact, he's a, he's a cop, and I asked him to come on one day, and I think I'll bring him on uh, to talk about the investigation that he's doing right now. As a matter of fact, I want to just give a little teaser out there too. Jackie, doing uh, unsolved cases. This is what we can do. This is what this is what you are allowing us to do. So it all fits together. Police officers, unsolved cases. And uh, all of this. So, so, but anyway, I, I'm drifting so far away from Peter Barry Chowka. I apologize, Joe. I'm going to kick it over to you because uh, but, but, but reel me back in, brother. Each and every Monday at hour number three, we have with us Peter Barry Chowka. He is an investigative journalist, reporter, and author. He even has his own section on both our YouTube channel and our website. If you go to HagmanReport.com, there on is it still on the right hand side, Eric, or is it okay? So on the right hand side, it is. Peter Chowka's corner. And I gotta tell you, he's the only, I think he's the only contributor who's got like pumas. He trains pumas. <laughs> yes, he does. I'm and pretty sure. On our YouTube channel, we have a section just for Peter between the lines. And he joins us each Monday in the third hour. 
Peter Charco, welcome back to the show. Hi, Joe. Nice to be with you. Thanks for the introduction, and good evening to uh, Doug and also Eric and John. And uh, after listening to the previous hour with Jake and Tracy, I thought, how am I going to top this? <laughs> so the only way to top this is to bring on the animals. There so you welcome go. to the alternative animal planet. And for the next hour, we'll be doing stupid pet tricks. Well, we'll see. Oh. N- now we can. We, th- that's okay because that's where the video platforms are headed. But no, you've got a great looking. <laughs> look, I'm, I'm not a fan of cats. I got to tell you, I'm not a fan of cats at all. But I, I must say, you've got a, a, a terrific looking uh, buddy there. Wow. Thank you. This this is Biggie, and you know Biggie and Lulu have made uh, cameo appearances starting this past December. And uh, I think they've become more popular than me, among the viewers at least. Uh, there's a lot of comments about Biggie and Lulu, and uh, I, I get direct messages on Twitter and even some emails and photographs of other people's cats, Look which at is those pretty eyes. cool. Look, so I thought, wow. I thought we would introduce Biggie so that he could actually look head-on into the camera. He, he's pretty uh, malleable in this way. He doesn't mind being held. And he's the camera is friendly to Biggie and vice versa. Unlike Lulu, who is much shyer, she's currently napping across the room. But uh, so this is this is Mr. Big Biggie. Oh man, and, he's uh, living he's, up his name. He's a rescue. <laughs> he's a mixed breed. We think he might have some Russian blue. And I have a little catnip to sprinkle, so maybe he'll stay around for a bit. Now, now you stay out of that, Peter. I wish. I wish it worked on humans. It doesn't. But Peter, I was it watching. Is, it is legal. It's legal in all 50 states. <laughs> like some herbs in just a few states. Go for it, Biggie. On Friday, I was with my wife, and we were watching a video titled something along the lines of um, Cats After Catnip. And it was a compilation of all these different cats, and uh, they were making all these you know cute meows and noises and playing and it was we were playing it on a little pad and our two cats kept looking for the kittens who were meowing the cats who were meowing and they're mm-hmm. scratching the pad trying to get into the speaker and you know making all these whines and meows and i just thought it was so funny and i remembered we had an old jar of catnip so it was in a little plastic square like container i took the top off we put it on the ground and sure enough our cat sticks his head right in there and then proceeds to walk around the whole kitchen floor pushing the catnip container with his head in the container you know until he runs into a wall and then but wouldn't take his head out of the container what what's in that stuff i, I mean do I don't know. it's it's a catnip is an herb okay it's uh you know it, it resembles i've been told uh, marijuana and back in the day people who were selling pot on the street would often sell catnip unbeknownst to the buyer who was not known to them and vice versa so uh, that's that's how it was known in uh, in the 60s and 70s at least among humans but uh, you couldn't you could not get high on it I've been told again well, Biggie's over there, Jonesing for some catnip. Uh, roll me a fatty uh, there, there, Dad. The cats, cats definitely get off on it, but uh, you know, and they, and of course, having the cats around, just like uh, you, Doug, uh, with uh, the studio dog and your other animals, yep, uh, they they really are a source of uh, comfort, companionship, and on occasion, inspiration and and great humor. I mean, it it just well, just as I was holding Biggie, waiting. Uh, for you to come to me, and he's purring, and it really it really helps to calm you. Feeling that cat purring, he's happy, 
I'm happy, I can forget about the state of the world for a few minutes. And, of course, watching their antics, as, Joe, you were just describing uh, with your cat, uh, it's, it's endlessly fascinating. You know, I often think it would be cool to do a video of a day in the life of Biggie or a day in the life of Lulu because they're, they're just so funny. It's really great. Well, we, we just we just got an email, Peter, from uh, a listener, a viewer, actually, in the U.K. wanting to know if um, either one of your cats are going to start a blog. So, I've Richard? thought of them uh, ha- each starting or maybe together a Twitter because, <laughs> of course, I'd have to help them with it. I'd have to interpret, but I think I'm pretty good at that by now. And actually, almost two decades ago, when we had a uh, a Russian blue kitten, uh, I started a website on her behalf, Ekaterina. And uh, for <laughs> a couple of years, that was up, and it was done in her voice, as if she was doing the talking. I would photograph her visit to the vet, things like that, and then you know she would comment. She would be the one narrating it in print. And uh, it, it became pretty popular there for a while. So, and then the free host suddenly uh, went away after the dot com bubble burst. So I never got back into that. But now we have Twitter and Facebook. So maybe the cats will have to step out on one of those platforms. But probably Twitter. Just don't let them have political have views. Peter, <laughs> they have a lot to say. And cats, I think, are uh, like most felines. Are I, I think they're libertarians by nature. They don't want anybody messing with them. They want a lot of freedom. And uh, if, if something happens to them, like if you touch them in the wrong place or you want to pick them up, they will let it be known really quickly that, no, don't do that with a bite or a scratch. So, um, you know, I can relate to their personalities in that way as well as many others. So. Well, you know, again, uh, Peter, the, the, really the takeaway in my view from this is, is you know, we have to – well, first of all, thank God and uh, for His gift to us, uh, the the pets, the animals, the mm-hmm. rescues. You know, who rescued who? Really? Yeah, I think it's. I think they rescue us. And Who's the boss? There too, you go. There in the household, and it's so important, really, to keep that grounding. I think, especially in times like this, when we see everything around us kind of exploding, and I guarantee you, Peter, I'm going to get comments and emails saying, "Well, you know, you spent too much time talking about inane stuff." Well, you know what? No, yeah, no, no, the, no, the no. Eighteen hours a day we spend in the news, in the nitty gritty, in yeah, the yeah. in the muck and mire. We we can talk about cats. Doggone right, and, and and they deserve it, and so do we. So, but uh, all right, yeah. we'll back into it now. Yeah. Then, yeah, you've got oh, a great well, article, I, by the way. Uh, thank you for that 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 article about the the scandalous series. I, I don't want to direct your conversation. I just want to say thank you on that. No, I did want to talk about that, and I also today um, at American Thinker, I posted an article uh, about Mark Levin's program last night, his second outing on Fox News. And that was actually retweeted or tweeted by Levin, and it got about 3,000 likes and over 1,000 retweets and uh, was, I think, the highest-rated article at American Thinker today. And I will be doing an expanded version of that for the Hagman Report in the next day or so. Often the things I I do now for American Thinker are like a quick first draft because uh, they have to get up there real fast. I mean, the program was on at 10 o'clock Eastern last night, and I had to finish this article within a few hours, so it was a little rough around the edges, and I had to transcribe the parts of it that I wanted to quote because no transcript, unfortunately, is available 
of the Mark Levin broadcast. I, I, I was watched told that. I, I, I didn't it mean to interrupt. Wasn't that an incredible show? I, you know, for all of the uh, look, I, I don't agree with Mark Mark Levin on on everything. Um, uh, you know, I've got my differences with with Mr. Levin, but I have to give him a lot of credit with respect to how that interview was conducted and the information was so valuable that that was transferred in that. Yeah, and, and by well, the, it was a meeting of the minds too, because Mark Levin is a, an attorney, yep. a constitutional attorney. And uh, Nunez is a, a very smart, articulate, accomplished legislator, and he's been given short shrift by the mainstream media that's made him a target, which is really sickening. But I think that, you know, Levin brought out the best of Congressman Nunez. It was the first time we had a chance to hear Nunez in uh, a, a full hour's interview, which cut down after the commercials is about 41 minutes. But even so... The only thing like it that has been on mainstream television in recent years, of all things, is the uh, Charlie Rose show, which was on PBS and also on Bloomberg for two and a half decades. And occasionally, Charlie Rose would do the full hour with a guest. In fact, last uh, September, he Charlie Rose did um, Steve Bannon, both on 60 Minutes and then for several nights in a row on his own program. I think one of those nights he was on... Band may have been on the entire show, but it was a tremendous amount of material. And of course, Charlie Rose uh, is an acquired taste, to put it uh, charitably. But there he was with Steve Bannon, and uh, he got Steve Bannon on the record. And it was really interesting and really fascinating. It was not adversarial. And uh, so I, I was really pleasantly surprised at. Uh, the depth of Mark Levin's uh, interview last night, which is why I felt uh, the need to write something about it immediately, and uh, it, it really hit the mark. It found a lot of readers, a lot of comments, and it also found Mark Levin, who tweeted a link to it, so I was pleased how that turned out. But yes, in addition, on Sunday, I posted at the Hagman Report uh, an exclusive article which uh, previewed Mark Levin's second program later on Sunday night and also talked about the final Part 7, Episode 7 showing of the Fox News series Scandalous, uh, a documentary series which premiered in January, and it's foreseen as an ongoing series. So the first seven parts were on uh, the Clinton scandals through the 1995 (laughs) impeachment, and there's Monica Lewinsky. That's actually a still frame from Scandalous that I went through and uh, clicked on that one and saved it because that was kind of interesting shot. But uh, I think he wants some more catnip. Well, don't don't deprive him of the catnip. Here, Biggie. Back up here, Biggie. Biggie. (laughs) Oh, he's just licking the lid. Come on, Biggie. You on live TV. Well, the, so uh, don't bar- don't bar- bogart my uh, catnip there, bro. I didn't get to watch so, the uh, the Levin piece. I did see the two part teaser that was put out mm-hmm. maybe uh, Thursday or Friday, uh, which which was pretty good. And uh, it'll be interesting to see his one hour show on Fox. And uh, you know when we saw the attacks on Hannity last year, when we saw O'Reilly forced out. It left mm-hmm. kind of a hole there. Many people were thinking, well, you know, who's going to step up to the plate? Who's going to be brought in to be the next, you know, series of evening host? Heaven forbid it's not Shepard Smith, but we got Laura Ingram in there, who's been doing just yes. an awesome job. That's one of my fa- – I don't watch a lot of uh, cable shows, 
Mm-hmm. Um, I know I'll monitor CNN, but Laura Ingram is one of the few people I listen to on the radio, but I really enjoy her show on Fox News. And also, uh, I haven't watched the Levin piece, but he is a good fit. I listen to Michael Savage on the radio. Not that Fox would ever bring him on, but I think he would be another great fit on that Fox Evening News lineup. It might bring him down if you know. No, there's a discussion between you. Yeah. Well, you know, I, I don't know if you recall, but back in 2003, uh, Michael Savage had a weekend television program on MSNBC. No. That's in the days when MSNBC was very different than it is now. And uh, he was terminated within a few weeks or a few months of that broadcast starting because he actually took live calls on the show. And it was not a very successfully done program. Uh, one day, a, a caller managed to get through and said something that offended Michael. And he shouted at the person thinking that, well, he said he thought he was off air by then or was on a break or his mic was was cold. And uh, he said something like, uh, get AIDS and die, unquote. And he was terminated. That was his last show. But uh, I agree with you that the Fox primetime schedule Monday through Friday, uh, 8 p.m. to 11 p.m., and even the two hour, the hour before and the hour after that, all of which are live, on most nights, that five-hour block is the strongest primetime lineup that the Fox News Channel has ever had, in my opinion. And on the weekends, they also do very, very well. They have uh, Steve Hilton on Sunday night with The Next Revolution. They have Biggie just hit the mouse and it changed my computer screen. Uh, on Sunday, of course, they've had the Scandalous series. And also on Sunday, and now Mark Levin. On Saturday, they have Jesse Waters and Greg Gutfeld and, of course, uh, Judge Jeanine Pirro. And meanwhile, on CNN, they've pretty much abdicated, abdicated their schedules on the weekends. They run uh, no live newsy or common programming in prime time. They run uh, pop documentaries like focused on a decade, the 60s, the 70s, or the history of comedy, really lightweight stuff that's that's not really very good in my opinion. They did do a six-part series on Patty Hearst, which did pretty well in the ratings, and I recorded them all. I haven't had a chance to watch them yet. I'm interested in the period and to see what they've done with it. And MSNBC has completely abdicated any kind of uh, watchable programming uh, on the weekends, not that they're Monday through Friday program. What do they do? Locked up? Locked up? Yeah, these prison reality shows, and they, you know, I look at the ratings, and they do not do very well in the ratings, so I I don't know what their thinking is there, but you got to hand it to Fox for for keeping it together, at least in prime time now. In the rest of the day, much of the day, they're falling short, in my opinion, and even on some of these prime time programs hosted by conservatives, thoughtful, fair and balanced conservatives, they seem to be uh, having more and more guests from uh, the left, the, the Jessica Tarloffs of the world. But And, and I think I actually uh, uh, when Doug and I had a chance to speak the other day off air, I was mentioning a story I've been working on for a number of weeks, which I'm not ready to go with yet. But as a hint, it will uh, point to and document some serious internal strife at the Fox News Channel between the hard news department, as they like to call it, and the evening primetime uh, opinion hosts like Sean Hannity, 
Tucker Carlson, Laura Ingram. So uh, there's a story there, and it also entails the new leadership of Fox News, which will be coming into play at the hands of Lachlan Murdoch, the 40-something son, one of the two sons of Rupert Murdoch, who is 86 years old, had a serious injury in recent months, and is kind of winding down his real active day-to-day management of the Fox News channel, having taken over uh, with the demise or the the firing of Roger Ailes in the summer of uh, 2016, that was now. So, and I find the timing of that very interesting. The um, the Ailes, well, it, obviously. Another coincidence, maybe? Yeah, I'm not suggesting anything, but I just, it's just <laughs> interesting how the, the timing plays out. And, and you know, the, the, the big story, of course, of the past week or several days has been the censorship in, in the, by you reviewing the landscape of, of the, of the media. I'm, I'm interested to see how things are, are balancing out. There, there are two, two things I, before I forget, I want to mention. I, on my morning show, I had pointed out Neil Cavuto on the Fox Business, uh, um, network, um, talking, talking to, uh, Devin Nunes. And it's interesting how, uh, the, uh, late night talk show hosts, like, uh, Colbert, for example, are, mm-hmm. per, are, are shaping the narrative that's feeding back into the, um, Conservative media—that's kind of one thing I wanted your your kind of take on. Because when I saw that, I, I thought, man, what's going on? Second thing I wanted to ask you is um, the uh, recent reports of Rachel Maddow now dominating her that that position. I'm not seeing it's being reported. In fact, it was, I think it was reported on Drudge where Rachel Maddow's dominating uh, her position over Sean Hannity. The nine o'clock prime time right. hour I'm Eastern looking, time. I'm looking at this. I'm reading this. I'm thinking, uh, is this? Uh, I, I'm not seeing where this is factually based. But right. uh, well, that's, that that skepticism is very warranted. There. What you have to do when you're trying to determine who's up and who's down in television ratings, whether it's regular TV, commercial TV, broadcast TV, or the cable news wars, which are very competitive and very ideologically. Uh, significant, of course, and you know, keep in mind that 90 to 95 percent of the so-called journalists writing about these areas are very are on the left, but politically, if not very far left. So most of them are pulling for MSNBC, CNN, the likes of Rachel Maddow. So what I do is go to the actual ratings and look at them as often as I can. The cable news ratings are posted online in a variety of places every day. The, the ratings either for the night before or if it's over the weekend, uh, the previous Thursday or Friday. Sometimes it takes them a few days to post them. But these are the Nielsen Research ratings, which are the official ratings that have been the ratings for television, broadcast, and cable since the 1950s. So this is the raw data. And it, it doesn't take long to figure out how to read the ratings. There's two uh, uh, m- metrics, two measurements the total number of viewers uh, to a program at any given time. So, for example, at 9 o'clock, uh, it will rate uh, CNN, which has Anderson Cooper in his second hour. Uh, over Fox, it has Sean Hannity. And at uh, MSNBC, Rachel Maddow, and that's Eastern Time, 9 p.m. 
So the charts uh, published by Nielsen, which are available at uh, TV News or Adweek, you just have to search uh, at a search engine, uh, cable news ratings. Usually the first one that comes up is TV Newser at Adweek. And uh, click on that, and there's a whole list of the recent days. In fact, you can go back years if you have the patience to keep going back to previous screens, which I do on occasion to see what's up uh, when you compare year to year or even several years back. But uh, So you have the two metrics anyway. You have the total number of viewers, which is much larger in terms of cable news viewers than the so-called preferred demographic. The demographic that is the key measurement for advertisers uh, is viewers between the ages of 25 and 54 years of age. Advertisers, uh, for many reasons, think that that is the demographic that they want to appeal to because for some reason those people buy the kinds of things that are advertised or they are... Uh, more susceptible to trying new things. They're not so set in their ways, whatever. There's various theories. Nobody really has nailed this down, but the demo, so-called, really carries the day. Now, the demographic, this key measurement, is much smaller than the total number of viewers for the cable news channels because the age of cable news average viewers is in the 60s, if not the upper 60s, as in the case of Fox. So, of course, a majority of their Viewers, no matter what channel, CNN, MSNBC, or Fox News, are going to fall outside of that preferred demographic. So the demo is usually about 25% as big as the total number of viewers. And the fact is that Fox News pretty much regularly beats the other two channels, no matter what time of the day or night, in the total number of viewers because they skew older. Now, when you look at the demo, that's where the real battleground is and where Rachel Maddow on uh, many nights, but not all nights, is in fact beating Sean Hannity. But it's in no way is she walking away with it. In fact, I looked at uh, last week's ratings, the late, la- late last week, Thursday and Friday, which just went online today, and I think Hannity won one, if not both, of those nights in the demo. I could be wrong, but uh, you know, when you look at the raw charts, the data, Hannity is doing pretty well. And when you consider the seriousness of his program, you know, his opening monologue, which a lot of people even on the right don't like, it's a serious 20 or 22-minute lecture on what he and his colleagues have discovered that day. So it's uh, it's not happy time TV. Rachel Maddow, meanwhile, is a performer, in my opinion, who throws red meat to her audience and pushes the right buttons. And I guess critics on the left would say, well, that's what Hannity does too, but that's how I see Rachel Maddow. And, of course, uh, I can't stand watching her or CNN, especially if you're interested in information. But that's a little bit of what's going on there. But we have to keep a close eye on what happens with Fox News in the future. I I think it's uh, a month-by-month, if not week-by-week, or even daily battle there as to uh, who's going to be left standing. And... In the context of what we're seeing this year, I, I think it would be really difficult to make a prediction on on what's going to happen next. But um, Peter, I've, I've got a direct question for you here, and and mm-hmm. um, obviously this is not scripted or anything like that. But but here's here's what here's my question to you. Um, as we look at the purge, this internet purge, 
Mm-hmm. And as we look at the cable, um, specifically the conservative programming on cable, cable uh, on cable. Period. Why hasn't the issue of this internet purge, specifically uh, Alex Jones and Paul Watson, why isn't this being discussed, e- even mentioned? Uh, regardless, because to me, this is, this, again, this is an important story, is, is, is important as the, uh, the attempted coup by the Marxists, by the liberal, uh, uh, fascists on, on the left. Why, why isn't any conservative on cable coming to the defense of Alex Jones, InfoWars, Paul Joseph Watson, or the list of people I've got here that have been censored for their conservative quote alt-right views or even mentioning it right even reporting right. on it I, I haven't seen uh the issue of the suppression the censorship uh ever referenced on the fox news channel i doubt it will be on cnn or msnbc unless they run it up their flagpole as uh, something to be celebrated but uh my my theory there to answer this question is that uh, well, let's just focus on Fox News because the other two are pretty much not even worth discussing. Fox News ultimately is still a mainstream media outlet, and they tiptoe up to the edge sometimes of certain highly controversial stories, and they just wind up not going there. They're covering their universe, sometimes their bubble, in the way that uh, they think they have to do in order to appeal to viewers and not to... Uh, run afoul of the enemies that are lurking and that are nipping at their heels and that could bring down some of their key people in a moment's notice as they've done before with Eric Bowling, uh, Bill O'Reilly, you know, an accusation is made, advertisers are, are pressured to uh, dump the shows, they do, and the next thing, that host is off the air. Sometimes it doesn't even take that much as in the case of Eric Bowling. So they're juggling a lot. That's not, that doesn't mean I'm defending how they're doing it and what they're doing. Um, presumably, if this kind of uh, dirty business keeps going and more and more uh, independent news providers are censored or heard from less or fall by the wayside and can make a strong and coherent case about what's happening to them, uh, I would expect that this will be covered at Fox News, and it will will also be covered on talk radio. It, it probably has to go to mainstream talk radio, you know, Michael Savage, Mark Levin, Sean Hannity, uh, um, uh, Bill, I'm forgetting his last yeah, name now, even Great when, American even, on Sunday night, you know, and then it, then it can can seep up to the level of cable news. But, but what, what concerns me is, um, again, a haunting statement by by Alex Jones. No one, no conservatives, no no one came to my defense. And, and you look mm-hmm. back oh, at, at threw him under the bus. right, and you look back at Michael Savage, who's still banned in the UK. Uh, yeah. you, you know, the, the, the problem. Well, I see, you know, the problem. Not to interrupt you, no, Devin, go ahead. The problem with Savage, since you mentioned him, uh, you know, and I know Michael fairly well and have followed his career as well very very closely, even before he was a talk show host, and. Um, you know, it's not to put him down, but Michael is is in a world of his own. He's burned bridges with just about every other uh, 
potentially uh, supportive or friendly talk show host. I mean, for years, he was insulting everyone on Fox News. He had pet names for them, which were, were very negative. You know, O'Reilly was the leprechaun. Sean Hannity was the wall banger. And he had nothing good to say about any of those people. And then in 2009, when he was banned in Britain, he wondered why none of them came to his defense and uh yeah maybe they could have or they should have despite what the, the bad blood that was there but it it really seemed to me that he uh put the he was the first one to put the blood in the water and i don't know what you could expect you know it's just a a characteristic of human nature you know but we shall see and it, well another another point too when you mentioned alex jones and you know we've had this conversation off air i've i've followed alex jones for years, even when he was very rough around the edges. I mean, now he is a pretty streamlined and uh, almost ready for prime time act there, technically and content-wise, including among many of his guests and including among many of his uh, guest hosts, like yourself, Doug. But uh, for the mainstream media, including Fox News, he is still considered some kind of anathema. You know, he was smeared in the whole post-Sandy Hook thing, whether he was quoted accurately or not for what he said then. And a lot of that came up last summer when um, uh, Megyn Kelly uh, featured him on the third outing of her now-canceled Sunday night NBC show, and that uh, kind of reverberated badly on both of them. But, uh, you know, I, I, I went through, uh, I hope this isn't too inside baseball, but uh, I went through a bit of this even with American Thinker, which we obviously respect as a credible, independent, conservative source of information. And uh, when I wrote about uh, Alex Jones and his uh, struggle with the Megyn Kelly interview program, and I did several articles on that for American Thinker, I had to be very, very careful because... Ultimately, among uh, American thinkers' uh, editorial slant and many of its readers, there is not a lot of respect for Alex Jones. And, you know, which I actually wanted to mention this quote because I think it's very, very relevant here. I was listening to a replay of uh, the Art Bell show that runs on Saturday nights nationally, and they take a program from the past and this one last Saturday was from February 21st, 2002, and I thought, wow, 18 years ago. And the guest was Eric Burden, the British invasion musician of Eric Burden and the Animals. And it was actually a, a very interesting interview because Eric Burden, 16 years ago when he was in his early 60s, I think he was 61 then, uh, had a very uh, articulate and, and interesting uh, set of anecdotes and analysis of uh, the scene in the 1960s and 70s, musically, politically, and otherwise. He's talking about John Lennon and, uh, you know, who was a good friend of his and the Beatles and all kinds of stuff that, that can help you fill in a lot of blanks when you're trying to evaluate that very interesting period of time. But he had, uh, he, he, he offered this quote, which I immediately wrote down because I thought it was very appropriate. He said, the mind is like a parachute. It works best when it's open. And I think that's something that, you know, just as we're discussing Alex Jones and how many people who have power and position in the media uh, don't seem to be open to the real picture of Alex Jones and what he represented, represents, 
Uh, Paul Joseph Watson, his exceptional work, especially in the videos that he does. I mean, there's nobody who does it like he does. So just to wholesale put them down because you haven't listened to them or you haven't really delved into what they're doing to get the nuance of it and the full picture, I think is very short-sighted. But that's unfortunately where we are, even with much of the so-called conservative media. And it's, it doesn't mean that any of us myself included, agrees 100% with Alex Jones. Uh, I don't. But really, there's nobody I agree with 100%. Yeah, exactly. exactly. Right? Yeah. So, you, you know, you have to, I mean, and this is why for my entire life, including now, it's become torturous, but I have to access some of the worst of the mainstream media like CNN and MSNBC. My tolerance level is becoming very uh, short and uh, CNN, I can take in maybe two or three minute uh, pieces, oh, and then the I just have of, the limits out. of human endurance, Peter, or I'll be did, smashing the flat screen because yeah. I just can't take it, and I wind up just screaming and yelling. So does, does that depend on what kind of caps. what kind of mood you're in in that day? Whether you're frustrated, whether you're in a good it mood, puts me in the, it puts me in a bad mood. <clears throat> I could be in a good mood, and I, I look at Anderson Cooper or uh, Don Lemon, and I. I you know, I can't believe what I'm seeing. I can't believe the depths that we have sunk to, that mm. this is journalism, you know. And, I mean, uh, an interesting uh, soundbite that came out of uh, the Devin Nunez uh, interview with, uh, with Mark, Levin. Uh, Mark, Levin. Mark Levin last night is when uh, they both agree that journalism is dead. And, of course, our friend Sean Hannity uh, reminds us that he said that publicly on his program in 2009, I think he reports, and uh, it was predictive, and and it really it, it's it keeps falling lower and lower to lower, deeper depths every day. So we probably haven't seen it bottom out yet, but uh, it really is. So I, you know, we have to look at the entire panoply of ideological sources and options, and. You know, with an open mind, an open ear, and an open heart, hopefully. I, I, and uh, and I just want to put the capstone on this. Here's my position, very briefly, with respect to um, the people such as uh, Alex Jones, Infowars, Paul Joseph Watson, and, and the list I read earlier of those who were banned. You know, to me, I, I would um, I would characterize it as like a like a family. Um, or, you know, people sitting around the dinner table and eating, and you've got this army outside your house. All right. Uh, we are a family, a loose knit family in a sense, attempting, our, our sole goal here is to find the truth, is to ask the questions. Regardless of how inconvenient the questions are, we must ask those questions because we, we, we as Americans need to, to, to find the truth or to have the truth. We can take it. We're adults. And so if we're all sitting around the table, uh, let's say uh, Jones on one end, Hannity on the other end, uh, O'Reilly, and, and whoever else on, on the conservative uh, uh, right of center, political center, and the conservative ideology and, and social conservatives, um, if we all stick together, uh, we, we can win on the numbers, but we have to stick together, the cohesiveness. Right. And I don't see any loyalty among the, among the, because it's like this army, you know, the pounding on the walls of your house. And yet everyone in, is sitting around the table arguing about the uh, lumpy mashed potatoes. Stop well, it. See, right. Stop it, you know. Imagine if every host on Fox didn't have the Fox News outlet to, to put out and, and promote their shows. Well, Imagine well, if they were all relegated yeah. to YouTube. 
and then they were subject to the same censorship mm-hmm. rules right. that so, yeah. we are. Yeah. I mean, can you imagine? Well, there's, there is no excuse for what's happening now. I mean, the, the problem, well, and it's not only, you know, your first hour guests, uh, Steve and Coach Dave, were pointing out how this is an assault on the First and Second Amendment. It certainly is. And it's also the Fourth Amendment, too, that they're going after. That's a little less obvious. But the Fourth Amendment, uh, you know, to our privacy in our papers and our our innermost workings, the privacy in our household, that went out the window years ago, if not decades ago, with what the NSA has been doing. And, uh, you know, just look at the revelations of Edward Snowden and everybody else before and since who's been a whistleblower. And, and of course, this is now factoring into what we see being the news that's emerging about how the uh, Obama regime uh, went at it in the last year, 2016, to try to destroy the campaign and then the presidency of Donald J. Trump. They used uh, basically illegal surveillance, obviously, and against Carter Page and who knows who else. So uh, at least three of our amendments to the Constitution are under direct and increasing assault. And um, the problem we face, though, is that these companies, these entities that have grown up, these huge monopolies now, like Google and Facebook, uh, YouTube, part of Google, are are technically private companies or corporations. And uh, I guess they can fall back on, you know, they, they can do whatever they want. If Actually, if it were run by the government, I'm not saying it should be, but if it were like the BBC or something in Britain, well, you could make the case that you can't censor me. You know, this is a public utility, but it's not. And until this is hopefully challenged uh, in court, which you and others are talking about doing, to really get straight on what our rights are in these uh, indispensable public utilities now that have replaced uh, everything previously, like uh, the telephone, the telegraph, radio, fax machines, you know, this is it now. This is the way we communicate on the Internet. And if our freedom is being chipped away one person at a time, one blog at a time, one show at a time, then we're in really deep trouble, especially as the assault continues on on the other levels. And I wanted to mention briefly, I I had created or prepared some notes for tonight. I've been wanting to do uh, for the past several weeks kind of uh, a review that I hope I can fit into maybe 20 minutes. Maybe I'll make a stab at it next week if we have the time. In in looking back at the history of electronic or modern communications, which started actually with the telegraph in the 1830s, that was the first method of communications that involved electricity or an electronic way of disseminating information. Then it went on, of course, to uh, the discovery of recorded music, uh, motion pictures, radio, sophisticated sound recording, and television, of course, and then the Internet. And I've been thinking a lot and researching a lot on how, if you just look back uh, to that earlier century, the 19th century when all this began and everything since, you can chart a very interesting arc of the development of this, what I call and what others have called a mediated reality that we're now living in. We no longer, uh, most of us, actually access reality, that is our real world. We spend most of our time learning about things, engaging things, communicating with others, 
through technological means, a smartphone, the Internet, uh, the telephone on occasion, uh, or a cell phone. And uh, the immediacy that was there in a real non-virtual environment, which is the history of mankind until the 20th century, basically, and of course it really took off in a turbocharged way with television, this has reshaped everything about information retrieval, dissemination, sharing, knowledge, and it, it helps to explain why our entire society has been dumbed down, not only because of education forcefully dumbing us down, but the technology itself is leading us down many blind alleys. I mean, for every positive there is with the Internet, which we're experiencing right at this very moment and communicating with each other and with our audience and unknown numbers of people out there communicating with truth and reality, hopefully, uh, we know that the preponderance of use that people make of the Internet is not to enlighten or really inform or improve themselves, but it's to go even lower. So I, I prepared like a little 20-minute review of this, which I think and hope will be interesting to the audience as we then get into some breaking news of the day that can even be related back to this brief history and how it is that we analyze information and data today in a way that we never did. And in this century in particular, the 21st century, it's changing really at warp speed. And because it's not something that we see necessarily, I mean, when, when radio came about or when television came about, there were these devices sitting in our living room, at first a big radio console, and starting in the late 1940s through the 50s, a large television console with a small black and white screen. So that was something you could point to, and names were come up with like uh, television was the idiot box or the plug-in drug and there were stories and studies about pe people being addicted to watching television, which that addiction has just continued, escalated, and grown to the point now where we are addicted to the myriad of technological tools and devices that are at our disposal, and in, and that in most cases with most people now are literally in either our hand uh, about 18 hours a day or our pocket, you know, never more than uh, a couple of feet away. From us, and we're always attuned to it, for most people, that is. So, you know, these are things that I like to look at in taking that wide-angle, broad view, because um, they, they really aren't looked at enough. I mean, history is no longer taught in schools, colleges, and universities, for the most part, maybe unless you major in history. And then, look who's writing the history, who's writing the books, who's... Uh, you know, controlling the narrative, the likes of people like uh, uh, Bill Ayers, the uh, unrepentant terrorist, weather underground terrorist from uh, the 1960s and 70s. So, you know, our work is cut out for us in that way, in my opinion, to learn the history. You know, like uh, with the Internet, it's a double-edged sword. <clears throat> We've seen uh, great things come of the Internet. It took away control of the corporate media, and the establishment mm -hmm. to, to disseminate their their narrative in one unified front, and now you have uh, just hundreds, if not thousands, of alternative platforms out there that are able to gather information and present a different narrative that is contrary to what the mainstream has given us. And and with this development and spread of information, we have learned that the narrative that the establishment gives us 
is very skewed. It's very uh, uh, biased and partisan, and it's aimed at uh, manipulating public opinion. And then when you have these other alternative forms of of out of information outlets that are giving different uh, perspectives on what's really going on, it's created a huge problem for the establishment. Hence, the censorship that we see on Absolutely. YouTube. Absolutely. That's why is, they're lashing out now. Yeah. You know, I wanted to mention this before we close. I happened to see, uh, as it was streaming live yesterday, uh, Jerome Corsi's uh, periodic uh, video in which he analyzes the latest uh, postings of QAnon, the QAnon phenomenon. But what stood out to me there in this broadcast, and I will try to find the link to that because it's, of course, been archived, um, was his, uh, Jerome Corsi's, Dr. Corsi's take on just what you were talking about, Joe, the, the positive side of this, uh, networked, uh, world that we're in now, this immediacy, the social media, the sharing, the information. And he seems so genuinely optimistic and upbeat at what he was reporting spontaneously. Obviously, he didn't have a script. And I, I was really touched and inspired by just what he had to say on that score, which took up quite a bit of his his uh, live video stream yesterday, aside from whatever he was reporting and deconstructing about the QAnon posting. So I wanted to mention that. And I wanted to mention this very briefly as just kind of a light relief before we close. You know, Jimmy Kimmel was much in the news for his hosting the Academy Awards, and I'm uh, happy to say I didn't watch one minute of it, but I did see some highlight clips later, and fortunately it had the lowest ratings of all time. But uh, I've never thought much of Jimmy Kimmel. I happened to be watching his ABC show the week it premiered in January of 2003, and I found a review online of it that was published in Variety the day after his premiere. And just a couple of quotes from it. This is Jimmy Kimmel when he got the push to ABC Nighttime. The reviewer said the aimlessness of the entire production, the disorganization of the host, and the overall lack of anything remotely resembling humor. That's how he described Jimmy Kimmel. It's been reported that Kimmel has a budget for writers, but nothing in the premiere indicated that any had been hired. More and more, the show began to look like a beer commercial outtake with one guest after another smiling and shaking hands and saying absolutely nothing of consequence. Well, I thought that to me sounds like a review of Jimmy Kimmel today on his ABC show. So the more things change, the more they remain the same. But this also proves the point I mentioned last week. I had just seen a new study in a psychological journal which confirmed the obvious, that when something moves into the status quo, uh, it convinces people that this is the status quo and they get used to it and they maybe even, they not only adapt to it, but they actually uh, develop a preference or a liking for it. This has happened with Obamacare, supposedly, which was hated and now people are more or less comfortable with it. And it happens with, with talentless individuals like Jimmy Kimmel, who, um, in my opinion, is free of talent and is obnoxious to, and painful to watch, much like, much like a CNN host, for example. And yet, uh, I mean, it, it has his show, his ABC show, really improved uh, more than this initial review of him now, uh, what is that, 14, 15 years ago? I would say no. I would say it's as unwatchable now as it one was then, and but, probably. But are are they not, Peter? Are they not vehicles, uh, attack vehicles to the 
social conservatives by the liberal fascists. I mean, sure. Is, is this it, is why they're holding on. This is why they will keep pushing this stuff down our throats at CNN, which is third in the ratings, at uh, Jimmy Kimmel, although his ratings are supposedly up, uh, just like Saturday Night Live, since they've taken on the uh, challenge of, of, of endlessly challenging President Trump and anything conservative. So, yes, they are propped up because of their left-wing socialist, if not communist, or pro-communist agenda. So uh, that's their ticket. But, uh, you know, there's a lot of things at play here. There's many, it's, it's multifactorial. And when you get down in the weeds, you see all the different strains coming together to keep this ship of state, deep state, shadow government, corrupt media afloat. But it is being chipped away one piece at a time. The internet is our vehicle. So I agree with you that we have to fight to prevent the takedown of the Internet wherever that happens because uh, it's obvious that they will be coming for any of us who are left standing if they're able to take down those who they're aiming at right now. Yeah, very well stated, and I think that that's the the, the crux of the issue here. And, and you know... And it's look, just the beginning. Yeah, and it's just said. the start. I that, mean, that's right. YouTube, the social media, from the shadow banning to deleting channels is just the very beginning. Wait till content is removed from the internet through ISPs and mm -hmm. uh, you have these other uh, uh, tactics that are going to be used by people in power and who control the internet to scrub the internet of any opposition speech and I say this on the Daily Show especially with the 2018 midterm elections and the 2020 presidential elections they will not mm -hmm. let opponents who they endorse be slandered be talked about be portrayed because they, in a they know yep. they know what contributed to President Trump's victory, yep. his surprise victory as far as they're concerned in 2016. And uh, as I've said before, as you guys have said and analyzed, the Internet, social media had a tremendous amount to do with it because this is the vehicle for the truth or the closest thing to it, and you're not going to find it through the mainstream media with the occasional exception of Fox News Channel. As always, Peter Berry Chauka, man, a, a lot of great information, very well measured, well stated assessment of the landscape of the media landscape. You've done it again, my friend. You've you've taken us through this this rocky road of of uh, of issues, and and I think it's it's never more important than right now today because you've got your finger on the pulse of what's going on out there in the in the media in the in the media sphere, and it's so critical. Thank you, Deb. Well, we, we've done it together. This this forum has allowed us to to bring it to the fore. So thank you for the opportunity. No worries, my friend. And Peter, uh, um, on the other thing, I'm still working on that. You know, what I'm referring to. I'm still working mm -hmm. on on that. So I'll, I'll I'll keep you posted on that. But but thank you, my friend. Thank you.